Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on July the 12th, 2017. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, my long-lost lover. Oh ma, caffeine rage. On today's show, we will of course be discussing the many games that we've played. We'll be going through the aftermath of the Steam sale on our wallets. Jump, the indie streaming service. We'll be discussing that. We'll have our weekly community corner and our Steam weekly discovery queue. As always, timestamps will be in the show notes following the respective topics. Bam, one take after two-ish. It was it was two weeks off, yeah. One take after two weeks off and a late recording start. Maybe you should talk to Aki about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Well, I guess now the ProGrade podcast. Even though I'm pretty sure they're anti-normal. But I'm... Yeah, thanks. Uh, those of you who were listening the last couple of weeks, they were Franken episodes, but now we're back for reals. Although we were worried we might have to do a third Franken episode. I came down with a case of the, I don't know, the trip crud. I was, had a, I've had a cold the last couple of days, and both of us have had internet issues the last couple of days. Yeah, my ISP decided, hey, uh, we heard you're protesting net neutrality. Here, let me show you exactly what that would be like. Yeah. Yeah, today's the... Is today the only day that all of the websites are doing the... Uh, as far as I know. Okay. I, and, and I have to admit that maybe it's just me and the fact that I already know about all this shit. But it's rather annoying that every single site is doing it at the same time. Yeah. And I'm I a mean, little concerned that they may be off-putting to some people, you know? Maybe. I don't know. It's hard to say because, I mean, you and I both and probably everyone or most of the people who listen to this show are people who keep up with that sort of stuff. So it's like, yeah, I know. I know. I've already been to the FCC website and I've called my my Congress people, my senators. It's not going to do any good because I live in a very deeply red state, but... I've already done all those things. Oh, just let you think me... you live in a red state. Where I live, the Democrats sound like Republicans. Yeah. Fair enough, but Tennessee's still very, very red. We're, like, right there on the line between, well, some of the things that they, that they, policies they propose are at least in line with conservative values, and, like, these guys are batshit insane. Like, we're on the line. Oh, well, here it's just, how does it impact coal industry? <laughs> yeah, there's not, there's not a lot of, not a lot of, of coal mining in Tennessee. I don't know if there's any, there used to be some. There's a lot of copper mining still in Tennessee, but that's a completely different industry. Although there are similarities. Yeah, and unfortunately we missed 7-Eleven Day. Yeah, we did, although there's no 7-Elevens near where I live, so it doesn't matter uh, Well, there is one uh, where I live, but, uh, you know, a 7-Eleven was a part-time job anyway. You know, I've never been to a 7-Eleven. There aren't any where I live, and I don't know if I've ever been on a trip anywhere to where one was, or if there was, I, like, just didn't think about it. Oh, road trip time. 
<laughs> Maybe when we go to Kyle's wedding, we're gonna, we'll take the we'll take the train. We'll all take the train to Kyle's wedding, and then we'll go find a Seven Eleven. Oh, well, Slurpees. Oh wait a minute! Uh, define Slurpee. Well, it's goes something like. Oh my! Uh, right, but the fun part is, if you meet up where I live, there is a Seven Eleven right there. <laughs> well. You know, there's trains that go past your house. Somehow we'll hobo on one of them to your place and we can go to the Seven <laughs> Eleven. I think we have our road trip uh, all set. Well, railroad trip, I guess I should say. Are there any passenger trains that come through your town? Yes, and it goes directly to uh, Chicago. <laughs> okay, so yeah, then it's not even that hard. We'll just take one of the normal trains. Don't have to sneak a ride on a on a freight train. By the way, welcome train, to the rail right. portion of the podcast. Freight train? You're, you're, you mean coal train, right? Is there no other freight that comes through? It's pretty much just either tanker trucks or tra- tanker cars uh, or uh, uh, just cars full of uh, coal. It's rare to see a uh, just a boxed uh, uh, cargo tr- uh, train car. Well, alrighty then. <laughs> Uh, uh, and, and I'm sure you're uh, loving this talk, but I doubt our audience is. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, speaking of trains, uh, I was on a train and played a lot of games on a, on the train. That's my new favorite way to travel, is by train. It's The coach sections of, on passenger cars are as nice as first class on a plane, and we had a sleeper car for one of the legs of our trip. And that's just a little mobile hotel. We had a, a shower and beds and everything. It was legit so i never want to travel by anything other than rail ever again so it's a mobile hobo hotel pretty much i had internet that was better than kyle's internet which i know that's not a high bar but it's great very true it's great hell when um my internet was getting all spotty and dropping it was still better than kyle's internet (laughs) sick burn kyle take that oh but speaking of games We've got a lot of them to talk about this week. Oh, yeah. I mean, we are right after the Steam Summer Sale. We have uh, had two weeks of just playing games. Yeah, it's going to be game-heavy this week uh, with yeah. uh, some uh, news, at least one news topic. Yeah, so do you want to, since we both have seven games on our games list, yeah, let's do you want to alternate. alternate this yeah. week? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it differently. <laughs> okay, well, my first thing on my list is... Not a game. What I have is a game manager trying to make a sense of the chaos that is my Steam library. The depressurizer tool. What this is, it's a open uh, source uh, well organizer for the Steam library. And what it does is it goes in and edits the save files or the uh, config files for Steam to actually bring some order to chaos. And it is absolutely fucking useless. <laughs> okay. Well, well, I should say absolutely useless on two counts for me. One, my library is just too big, and it was trying to make a category that had over 500 games in it. Little, uh, you know, overkill there, huh? Yeah. And second of all, the way it categorizes games is doomed to fail with how Valve just handles the Steam library or the Steam store. 
is that it goes off of Steam store tags. You could see where this failing is coming from already, can't you? Yeah, because of all of the... I mean, we've complained for what feels like years at this point about how terrible the tagging well, system yeah, is. Well, let's just put it this way. It gave me a psychological horror category that had practically anything in it. <laughs> nice. And it just was just utterly, utterly shit. And it's one of those things that I think the only way that you could actually fix this is to have a group uh, go in to a, a centralized library for the depressurizer tool and set actual tags for these games because there is just no way to do it on the with the, how the Steam store does it. And it's just incredibly frustrating because a tool like this could be useful. And I'm sure that if I let it you know, just run the Steam store tags and uh, thankfully it doesn't automatically save to my profile. So it's all giving me a, this nice preview window to see just how it's fucked things up before I save it. Uh, if they have it where there's a dedicated group that goes in and says, okay, well, my little pony isn't psychological whore. Uh, granted, I don't have my little pony uh, game, but <laughs> it's the same idea. You know, all the pony games aren't psychological whores. Uh, the, bullshit sticker pack for CSGO isn't psychological horror. It's not family friendly. It's not point and click. It's not humor. It's okay. Maybe it's memes, but still it's just one of those things that is just incredibly frustrating trying to sort all through this. And I guess the only way I'm going to be able to do this is do it manually. And my unorganized library is at somewhere at 900 to a thousand games right now and growing. So it's a rather daunting task. But who knows? Maybe I'll actually find something in there worth playing. <laughs> I'm so tempted to buy Pony World 2 for you because it's like two bucks. <laughs> oh, no. So tempted. I don't think I'm going to, though. It has. There was one person today played Pony World. Oh my gosh. Or Pony World 2. The original Pony World is not on Steam, just Pony World 2 and 3. Actually, if I type in the word pony in my library, nothing comes up. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I can see that. You don't own this on the store page. No, no, no. I mean, uh, in my complete library. Well, how many games have the name, are named Pony anything? Pony Island is actually supposed to be really good. Yeah, Pony World 2 and 3. Pony fact, Island. Uh, well, you know, 3 is just the uh, pinnacle of the series because, you know, Pony World 2, they kind of dumbed down some of the mechanics and uh, they made it a very open to newcomers, but they kind of just. It... <laughs> uh, where did we Secret, get. Secret of the Magic Crystals. It doesn't have Pony in the title, but it's all about horses. I actually own this game. <laughs> I think I bought it for 99 cents a couple of years ago on the Steam sale. I played it for a little bit, and it's a terrible game. You probably got I, it from cards, or just because it had pretty, pretty princess in it. I got it because it had pretty, pretty ponies on it. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, memories! All right, we. How did we get here? <laughs> uh, my rant about the Steam Store and uh, it screwing up a otherwise useful tool. Right, right. Back to that. Yeah, it's just uh, incredibly frustrating to have to do everything manually. Oh, 
And I was pretty much winding down whenever you started looking at pony stuff. Uh, do you want to continue looking at ponies? Or, or, are you going to go back in time and buy the uh, high-quality uh, horse journals uh, whenever they were doing the Steam uh, uh, paid mods? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think I've actually got that mod, though. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I do. Uh Oh. You uh, you do realize when they talk about putting tits in a video game with mods, they don't mean on the horses, right? Well, they should. Uh, and we will do that to my first game, which is The Division. Uh, I talked at length about The Division the last time, uh, but the one portion of the game that I hadn't done yet because I was too low level was The Dark Zone. Uh, well, I guess I also still haven't done that like survival mode or whatever. Yeah, but... honestly, the survival mode looks interesting to me, but it's probably one of those it's one of those things that looks interesting but i'm not sure if i would want to play yeah sort of yeah. like eve or pretty much any of the battle royale games it looks interesting but i'm not sure if i want to dedicate you know that much time to something that has moments that are kind of fun but then there's just so much downtime i'll check it out at some point because i mean i'm still playing the division a lot i'm working on I'm trying to power level because while I was gone on my trip, I I actually tried to play it on my laptop and that was a disaster. I I got 14 FPS with all of the graphics turned down to minimum and my screen resolution set to the lowest setting that's available in the options while I was just staring at a wall. I got 14 FPS. Oh, while you're so, total biscuiting a wall. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, uh, complain about uh, the resolution of the <laughs> <laughs> but so everyone has got now I like I'm behind so I'm trying to power level but I did do some dark zone stuff with ghost shark and I didn't think I was going to like the dark zone because I don't care about PvP and these types of games um, I mean I love the looter shooter and hanging out with your friends and that sort of stuff and I you know could take could take or, or could just leave the PvP aspects but the dark zone has done really well and it's actually a lot of fun uh, and you really have to work together with uh, your teammates or at least a partner. There's no way that I, what, that you could go in there by yourself and last for very long. Even if you were able to to kill the the higher level, more elite enemies, if you're by yourself, you're a target for groups of people to pick off and steal their stuff. So Yeah, that's one thing that I think was kind of a failing on their E3 presentation because they... We're talking about, you know, the possibility of betrayal. But honestly, most of the time you're going into these zones with people that you know pretty damn well. You're not going to go in with randoms, I think, very often. Yeah. And, no. you know, it's, con- it, it's classified as a dick move to screw over your friends like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, whenever we play and we're just doing, like, missions and stuff in the PvP, PVE section, like, we'll joke around and shoot each other and stuff, because you can't hurt anybody, but as soon as Ghost and I were in the dark zone, like, all of that stopped, and it's like, okay, we're working together as a team to kill these elite enemies and get good loot, and there was an agent who went rogue, and so we tracked him down and killed him to get his stuff. And then there was one that got red, and he went rouge. Yeah. And, uh, we got to... So you you can only carry so much dark zone loot, and then the thing is, it's like, you have to extract the loot, because it has to go be decontaminated because the dark zone they have to get all the cooties off of it yeah because the area of the dark zone is supposed to be like ground zero basically for the the dollar infection the dollar flu so yeah which ended up you get it you caught it this week i did 
Um, I did that. You shouldn't go uh, lick George. <laughs> but anyways, it's it's just a lot of fun. It really like completely changes the game. I mean, there are, even in the main missions, there are certain times where it's like, okay, these enemies are really tough. We got to work together, and the game takes on a different dynamic. But when it's that all the time, the game is it's just flipped on its head, and it's a lot of fun. And kind of constantly looking over your shoulder whenever a, another player turns up is like, is this guy going to kill us? Like, we should hang back and be careful. We should wait. We should, like, check this out see what he's doing. Especially the solo players. Like, we didn't worry too much about groups. Like, if a group was going to attack us, we were probably going to get killed anyways because it was just two of us. And, you know, there'd be, like, three or four people running around. But if it's just, like, one dude, like, is he going to go AWOL? Is he going to attack us? What's going on? So that's a lot of fun. Plus, they do a really good job of instancing it and walling off the the higher difficulty areas. I mean, you can, if you really want to, stumble into an area that's several levels above you. But when it comes to, like, your level versus other players, they've got very, very tight level separation. So it's like, there's, like, the baby dark zone, which you can get access to at level 10. Mm -hmm. But level 15 is when you actually start seeing the the tight divisions and ah division the eh, like the eh. tight the tight level groupings and stuff so that you don't get matched up against people who are going to be like five levels above you so and it's you, you can get some good loot too we went in at level at level 15 uh and usually whenever you get a gun unless you just get really lucky with like a good drop your guns are only useful for your current level and like one level above you but I picked up this gun in the dark zone, and I'm now level 18, and it's still better than stuff I'm finding at my current level. So it's a good way to get gear in kind of the mid-game, because you can buy higher-leveled stuff, like from the special things you unlock in your base, like you can buy advanced weapons and stuff like that. But there's no point, because in another level or two, you will they'll be useless, and you will have just wasted all of your money. Yeah, it's like that in a game I'm going to talk about where you really only want to buy stuff if you're at a very high level where your level of progression slows down a lot or if you desperately need something of that type. Yeah, I'm thinking probably around level 24, 25 is when I might start buying gear from like the advanced gear vendor and just save all my money until then. Sniper rifles are about the only thing that I would think you would want to buy to carry over because they're... As long as you can get consistent headshots, they're useful for a couple levels above uh, whatever their weapon level is, just because they get such a huge bonus to headshot damage. But but it also otherwise. depends on just how good the sniper is, because if I recall correctly, whenever I tried it on a free weekend, <clears throat> I got some snipers that you know, would shoot anywhere but the reticule. Yeah, there's different different weapons. They have several weapons classified as sniper rifles that I'm not actually sure are sniper rifles, but... For the most part, if you get, like, the SVD or uh, this the... Ha- th- this has a scope on it, and we'll just call it a sniper. <laughs> I think they do that with a few guns. I'm pretty sure the sniper I have is actually an assault rifle, but it has a, a sniper uh, scope on it, so it's classified as a marksman rifle. Actually, I'm not... It's the ACR. Let's do, just do a quick Google search. And welcome to the gun portion of the podcast. Uh, yeah, it's an assault rifle, but it's considered a marksman's rifle because it's got, when I found it, it had a scope on it, so. Whatever, it's fine, doesn't matter. Video game logic. Ding. Ding. So, yeah, that's, uh, 
that's the division. I played it for a little bit before we recorded the podcast. I might play it for a little bit afterwards while I'm waiting on your file to get to me before I can edit. Oh my, you're, you're going to be up waiting for me? I might be. I don't know. We'll see what time we get done. <laughs> All right. I think it's your turn. Okay. So I uh, have a failed uh, Sunday sampler up next. Flying Tigers Shadows Over China. This is a World War II flight sim. And oh, dear God, does it handle poorly. <laughs> and uh, it's mostly due to how they handle both the gamepad and and the mouse because typically these flight sims they have a mode where you can do an emulated flight stick or usually it's more aim where you want to go sort of like how war thunder does it right and and the dead zone for the emulated flight stick is um non-existent uh so it's i'm constantly drifting (laughs) off center which makes flying in yeah on any mission where I have to do some sort of strafing run very difficult. And the gamepad, well, I'm able to fly a lot better with the gamepad, but the problem I had with that is that there's aim assist in this game. I mean, a ludicrous level of aim assist where I would think that it was some sort of first-person shooter, even though it's not. So I'm trying to do a mission where I have to save a bomber and it keeps switching away from the damaged targets. So you can imagine what happened. (laughs) Yeah, that's frustrating. Yeah, and I just got to the point where I just didn't want to play it. And And this was also going to be the Sunday sample during the week where I had my surgery, which, hey, uh, spoiler, I survived my surgery, by the way. Yay. (laughs) <laughs> what? Uh, why is there aim assist on a flight game? I mean, your I aim assist is basically like, hey, here's the reticle you shoot at, delete I have target. no idea. There was a good, I would say, 10 degrees of aim assist uh, off t- uh, off center. I mean, it was just a, a huge amount. And it seemed like it was completely random on what it was locking onto. Granted, maybe there's a way to turn it off if I dive uh, deep enough into the options menu. But, yeah, that and also there was a a lot of, for this being a simulator, there was a lot of moves that are automated for a particular button, like doing a barrel roll or alien roll, depending on how much you care about Star Fox terminology, uh, (laughs) is uh, set to one button instead of having a, uh, you know, your uh, rotation uh, or uh, your yaw. Yeah, be able to properly do it with a, a combination of those. You have to press a button to do it. And I had trouble even performing a simple loop because it kept wanting to prevent me from doing that unless I had it, I pressed the button to do that. <laughs> and on top of that, it seemed like the camera didn't want to follow the uh, airplane correctly. So there was a couple times where I would perform a half loop to, uh, a uh, half loop to turn over and uh, to make a quick uh, secondary run on a target. And I would go completely off center because the camera would be stuck on the begin on the front of my aircraft for a short time. Then it's like, Oh wait, you're flying towards the camera. Let me swap around. And by then, you know, it, you know, it's pointless to even do that type of move. Right. 
that's doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that said, I do like that this is a, a, this focuses on a lesser known aspect of the Pacific theater of uh, just the air war in China, which is yeah you know, not something you see too often. But yeah, you know, that said, you know if the game doesn't play that well, you know it's kind of pointless. Yeah, it's got really high positive reviews. Well, maybe I just have a higher expectation. But then again, this is also 350 reviews, so you know, it's not a lot. It's. I wonder if you actually had a real flight stick, if that would have made it better. Maybe because I tried it with my gamepad and I tried it with my mouse and keyboard. Yeah. This person here says it's like playing a World War II version of Ace Combat. Oh, well, they just sold it to you, huh? I mean, it's been on my wish list for a while. I've, what I've, has it been on your wish list for a while? Uh, Not counting was, anything that released this week. What was that pony game? That, I, <laughs> that, that wasn't on my wish list. I didn't know it existed until 10 minutes ago. And sorry, Mills, for uh, peeking the microphone there. My little pony. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just really disappointing because yeah, you know, if if a flight game doesn't handle correctly or handle well, or maybe it's just I didn't have the uh, patience to work out just how it handles. It, it felt like it, they couldn't figure out if they wanted to do a sim or a uh, arcade flight game. And they had this weird middle ground in between where, you know, a lot of moves were, or a lot of aerial uh, stunts were assigned to face buttons. And also there was this weird thing where if you held a particular button on the uh, gamepad, you would turn a lot faster, but uh, it, and it blurred the screen and uh, made it so that the camera was tough to keep up. So I kept overshooting when I would use that as well, and they expected you to use that. And also, everything was very bullet spongy, which was, uh, yeah, kind of makes me wonder, yeah, where they're trying to go with this. Yeah, that seems more arcadey, because I mean, there were planes that could soak tons of damage, but for yeah, the most they were part, known as bombers. Yeah, but for the most part, fighter planes could not. Yeah, the bomber mission that I was talking about, where I was trying to, well. Uh, uh, destroy uh, enemy aircraft that were attacking a bomber group Uh, they would take a good 10-15 seconds each to kill and that's before uh, lock-on started saying you know you don't need to kill that guy that has less than a quarter health here check out this guy that has full health look at him (laughs) yeah I'm sure there was probably a way to turn off the aim assist but I was already annoyed with the game yeah, or maybe it's just I'm a uh, you know, a grump. Yeah, maybe a little bit of both. Okie dokie. Well, does that mean it's my turn? Yep. So the next game on my list is Supreme Commander. Uh, when I talked last time about Planetary Annihilation Titans, I said, you know, playing this game makes me want to go back and play Supreme Commander, which was the first game that many of the devs from Planetary Annihilation. Uh, or a previous game. I don't know if it was their first game, but a previous game that many of those devs had worked on. And so I did. Uh, it's thankfully like five or six years older than my laptop. So even though it's a, a real-time strategy game with tons of stuff going on, my laptop can still keep up and maintain a 
pretty solid 60 fps if you really throw a bunch of stuff at it it would drop down to like i don't know 35 or 40 but yeah is it supreme commander one of the few games that has a second screen experience on pc it does i think it has a has it where if you have more than one screen it will have a general overview of the map i should check that out i could rig it up and just and just take a look at it because on one screen you've got kind of this map or your the bottom like quarter of your screen is all of your interface stuff and the map up top is very separate like the way it's designed makes it seem like you're sitting at in a command chair and then like below you is all of your stuff and then the screen in front of you is is uh what you're looking at yeah the uh second screen experience on supreme commander has the uh, uh, the main map oh it's actually one of the few games that has a second screen experience. That would be interesting. Might have to have to check that out. Great. I'm got... not. I, I'm just searching Supreme Commander, and uh, it's coming up. I'm not sure if it's. Yeah, it looks like it's the first Supreme Commander that's doing this. Okay. Cool. I'm. I might have to rig that up and check it out and see how well it works. Because I mean, I can just move my monitor that's hooked up to my uh, my render PC over a little bit so I could see them both. But uh, anyways, yeah, Supreme Commander. I've forgotten how good of a game that this is. Uh, and also, did strategy games get easier? Or were older games just more, I don't know, obtuse? Or were they, did I think, the AI uh, cheat a lot more? Well, I think the the real-time strategy genre, it's a lot of quality of life stuff. You know, a single button that shows you all your... Uh, uh, auto workers, for example, and exactly where they are, and you could click it to get them all. Well, that's in Supreme Commander, though. Well, well, oh. yeah, just I'm I'm using that as an example, or uh, also just a general. I hate using the word simplification, but I do think that uh, real time strategy has simplified a fair amount since Supreme Commander because I have played Supreme Commander, and I've uh, toyed around with uh, some of Starcraft, and there are two very very different games for the same genre. Yeah, the menus are pretty obtuse. Uh, I feel like things take a lot more clicks than they should, for the most part. And control groups are wonky. I don't. I actually have no idea how to delete a control group other than to get everything in it destroyed. I think it's just a combination of Supreme Commander being a unique game to begin with, because there's not a lot of... I would almost call it a grand strategy RTS, because it is just that huge of scope. Yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know, Supreme Commander, it it, it is a real-time strategy game. Um, but it does give you a lot larger maps than most traditional real-time strategy games. And you have a lot more ways to uh, tackle your objectives in career mode or in campaign mode. And then the multiplayer maps are just ginormous. And it's um, also one of the few RTS that has a proper navy and a yeah. proper air force. I mean, not just... Oh, here's a couple units. I mean, a full, essentially assortment of aircraft and boats. Yeah, each of your... And each of the factions has their own units as well. Yeah, they're all completely unique, and while they serve the same function, like, every faction has an air superiority fighter, for example, but they are all vastly different in the way that they handle. Uh, The Earth... What is it? I think it's UEF, the United Earth Forces are kind of like your very traditional um, 
RTS style gameplay. They have a lot of tanks, a lot of missile based weapons, stuff like that. Uh, then there's the Aeon. I think they're called the Aeon, which uh, are like this the only faction of humans that found an alien race in lore. So they have like some very interesting alien technology that the other factions don't have. And they have like little, instead of building units, they grow them from like liquid metal. So their production is a little bit hand works a little bit differently than the other units. And they have a little laser based. Yeah. And don't they, isn't there also essentially a, a analog for the Protoss where they have to have the energy grid? Or some sort of energy production, or is that uh, in Supreme Commander Two? Uh, I think that might be. I mean, everybody has energy production in Supreme well, well, Commander. Well, I mean, but... I mean, building an energy grid and powering your uh, uh, units, or, may- or your base units, or maybe I'm just thinking of something else. No, that's not in Supreme Commander. It might. I, I haven't played Supreme Commander Two or whatever the big expansion is for it. Like I own it, but I haven't played it. It might be in that. I'm drawing a blank on the other faction, but they're like AI cyborg people maybe that's they also it. they also have very different units they have a lot of more like swarm based drone type units and things like that so each of the factions play completely differently all of their super weapons are completely different except for nukes like everybody gets nukes but it's just a really solid well-balanced strategy game that each of the factions you can tackle their problems uniquely uh and it's the first i think the first one of these games that had like the big commander unit that you could control and customize and move around on the battlefield. I love the way that it handles the economy, which Planetary Annihilation does this as well. Uh, I mean, they just lifted that system whole cloth from Supreme Commander, but instead of having to worry about, like, for example, in Command and Conquer, where you have to send out miners to mine resources and bring them back to your base, you just build. Uh, there's certain points on the map where you can build. Uh, they're called mass extractors, or you can build mass generators, which directly convert energy to metal, and then you just build power plants, and you have a constant stream of resources incoming, and it's all about um, maximizing the efficiency of your economy, so you can just set your factories to constantly auto-build uh, either a specific unit, or you can set up, like, I want five of this and five of that, and then I want you to repeat that cycle over and over and over again for forever. And so you're just trying to out outspend and outbuild your opponent turtling is not very effective in supreme commander just because there's so much shit that can come at you from so many directions it's just a great strategy game it's great in my opinion it's better than planetary annihilation um not there's a ton of stuff going on but it all feels manageable Planetary Annihilation is incredibly overwhelming, and I'm sure you get used to it if you played it for enough. I've played it for like seven or eight hours, and it's like, okay, I've got the ground, and then I've got air, and then I've got space, and then I've got interstellar space, and also these planets are spherical, and the camera's weird, and it's like, oh my gosh, where do I need to go over here, and I'm on this other planet. And suddenly Kyle's crashing a moon to your planet. Yeah, suddenly my planet's getting a moon crashed into it and exploding. Well, I'm dead now. And Supreme Commander, the maps are huge, and there's tons of stuff going on, but you can just pull out and be like, okay, what what's going on? Where am I? Okay, over here, over there. Got it. Boom, let's do this. So, I just, it's a good, solid game, and it, the gameplay holds up well. It feels more, like I said, it feels more difficult than newer strategy games, and that could be down to just, it is older. It's not as simplified as more modern strategy games are. Yeah, and maybe a little bit... Uh unfair to call modern strategy games simplified but uh, streamlined may be a better term for it 
yeah, it feels less streamlined. Um, it also, I mean, the AI may may rely on cheating a little bit. I'm not 100% sure. I mostly was just playing through the campaign missions. I did a couple of skirmishes. Yeah, there was a couple of campaign like, missions early on where you would set up to defend from one direction, and then the map shifts <laughs> to a completely different direction. Yeah. And that was kind of a dick move. Yeah. Um, but, it, like, I played a couple of the multiplayer maps because it's like, I just want to play on this 80 by 80 kilometer square map because why not? So, it's good. Fun game. Glad that I played it. I've only completed the first, the the UEF campaign, and then I started the second campaign, which was the, I think they're called Cybrans. Now that, I think it's Cybran. It's, it's the entire. Cyborg people. I started their campaign, played a couple of skirmish missions. I was without internet for good chunks of this trip, because it was, it was pretty bad at the, the first place that we stayed at, and then better at the second place that we were at, but still not great. So it's okay. Uh, played like okay five so hours, uh, how was it compared to Kyle's at the condo that we were at? It was worse than Kyle's internet. Ooh, they would. And it was really sporadic too. Like occasionally you'd go to do something. And it's like, wow, this is working really well. I can watch this video on YouTube actually. But most of the time it was like, nope, like less than one megabit per second. I think that I mean there were over like 500 condos at this complex that we were at oh well there is your problem and I'm pretty sure that they didn't like they were expecting most people to go hang out at the beach and the bars so they didn't have good internet (laughs) Uh, all 500 condos are on one cable modem (laughs) and they don't even spring for the big package (laughs) I really hope they didn't do that but it was so bad I wouldn't be surprised there was one day that it, we were pulling like 80 megabits a second for like an hour. I don't know what happened. I think everybody must have like been asleep and I was the only one using the internet at that time, but uh, that lasted for about an hour. So it would have worked well for me since I'm up at night anyway. Yeah. But yeah, Supreme Commander. Good game. Good game. Going to keep playing it. Probably just keep it on my laptop. It's one of the few games that I really, really, really enjoy uh, that works on my laptop nowadays. So... Hooray! Yay! I really need a new laptop. <laughs> I've been yeah, eyeing I, up. Yeah, I new need egg. to. I need to get one myself, but uh, I could probably repair mine. It's just tearing it apart, and that's a little more than one I want to deal with right now. Yeah, maybe next year. I, I want my next investment to be in a a better monitor, something that's got uh, a ninety hertz or higher refresh rate. No, that's going to hurt your wallet. Yeah, you can get some pretty decent deals as long as you stay at uh, 1080p, which I probably won't go over because I'd rather have the frame rate than bump up from 1080 to maybe like 1440 or something. Well, you don't want to play Minecraft at uh, (laughs) at at 4K. uh, At 4K, 140 hertz, and that's about all you can get with uh, decent quality. Otherwise, you have to bump everything down to minimum spec. Yeah, I don't want to play Minecraft now, so, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> I still can't believe it's Minecraft that they were talking about for 4K. I mean, really, the, yo, we have the highest quality blocks. <laughs> the best blocks. All well, right. speaking so- of uh, random blocks, uh, well, my next game was uh, about dice. Dice Hunter, uh, Quest of the Dice Mancer. This is a mobile game that I tried out, and... It was pretty fun up to a point. This 
uh, was essentially a dungeon crawler. I, I guess it's the proper way to call it. I mean, it's you come up against s- s- a single sets of enemies and you're rolling dice and uh, think of it almost as Yahtzee where you have to uh, match to uh, deal more damage or to uh, drop armor on enemies and that sort of thing. It was interesting up to a point. Then I hit a brick wall where essentially it was one of those instances of, oh, you want to keep progressing? Well, either grind, grind, grind away or give us 20 bucks. Because the way it's set up is that after each level, you are given a chance for a, a new dice. And each dice has various faces on it, as you may imagine. And some dice are better than others for certain situations. So you may get one dice that has four attack sides to it, one shield side, and one special side that has a star on it that's used for power after special moves and uh, uh, and the knot. So uh, that would be a very attack oriented dice. But if you need a if you're up against something that you need a lot of shields for, which absorbs damage, and this is essentially an RPG where your character builds up and your dice level up and that sort of thing. And uh, the level of your dice impacts the stats of your main character. Well, if you're coming up against something that you need a lot of shields for to take damage uh, uh, to mitigate, you are so screwed on this. (laughs) Because if you don't get lucky on those drops or on those rolls every level up, the only way to get another chance, not even a guaranteed chance, because there's a good chance that you get dice shards that will upgrade your dice, which is uh, very, very annoying, because a lot of it is you have to hit the same uh, type of dice two or three times in order to get a level up, and I never did. Uh, So I have no idea exactly how good that level up is. I'm not painting this game in a very good picture, am I? Not necessarily, but it looks cool, so I installed it it anyways. Yeah, it looks cool, and if you get lucky with the dice, uh, it's uh, a lot of fun. It's just I hit a brick wall, and I just didn't want to sit there and uh, grind. And it also has an energy mechanic, so you can play for probably about 30 minutes at a time, which is plenty for this because you don't want to sit there and roll dice all day well unless you're in las vegas hey i'm trying to think of anything else that's really important about this because uh, there's a lot of little things where you it has the thing where you could watch a commercial to get some extra cash or a chance for the premium currency and they do have it where you can occasionally get the premium currency so if you log in enough or you have your daily dice roll and then watch the commercial. You have a chance to get premium currency there as well. You can't eventually get those extra rolls to try to get extra dice or extra types of dice to uh, make life a little bit easier. But like I said, it all comes down to really chance, which, yo, gee, a game about chance uh, involving dice? Huh. How about that? Hey. But I did like that you can mitigate a lot of the random chance by... Uh, just yeah, lock in certain dice. So okay, I see a uh, a enemy that I have uh, armor on. Well, to strip the armor, I need two lightning bolts. Well, I happen to have three uh, dice. I have lightning bolts. One dice that has two lightning bolts uh, sides. Uh, that one didn't come up lightning bolt this time, but this other did, which is a one in six chance. So I can lock that in and get a one in three on the other one and a one in six on the third. 
you know, stuff like that and be able to mitigate your chances there. And, you know, it's all about, you know, your dice manipulation. And that I did like. And it's just, you know, like I said, I just hit that brick wall, which was incredibly frustrating. Yeah. It looks really neat. Um, it's very neat. And there's a lot of uh, fun gameplay up until, I would say, about the level 50-ish range when I hit the brick wall. Of just coming up against enemies that I didn't have the proper dice for. Right. Yeah, I might have to give it a shot. Who knows? Maybe I'll have better luck than you, or. Yeah. Might spend some money. I'm Out of the two of us, I'm the one who spends money on these things. So. Yeah, I'm a cheap ass when it comes to bubble <laughs> gaming. I've always got some money kicking around in my Google Play account just to spend on games like these. So, we'll see. I'll check it out this week, probably. I'll report back next week. Alrighty. Well, the next game on my list, X3 Albion Prelude, the expansion to Terran Conflict, which I don't, I mean, if you've got both, I don't know why you'd ever play Terran Conflict, because Albion Prelude's way better. Did you know that Egosoft, the people who make this game, still actively support it, and it received an update in April? Huh, no, I that didn't. fixed a bunch of bugs and made it, uh, like, it enhanced mod support for the game, and change like a few uh, things. Well, I'm looking at the change log. Uh, uh, there's also one that gave it full uh, full controller support in Mac and uh, Linux. Yeah, yeah, that one was in May. Yeah. That's was there anything actually, else that happened in that one? Uh, no idea. I'm just looking at, uh, at it on my Steam library. Uh, but the thing is that uh, there's three different games for the X3. <laughs> Yeah, Terran Conflict and Albion Prelude are the better ones. Reunion... It's kind of uh, going into X-Rebirth. Uh, matter of fact, it is going to X-Rebirth, which uh, it introduces a lot of the story elements from that game into uh, X-3. Yeah. Which I have everything up until Rebirth. Yeah. I've because actually never I got, played... I, I got the uh, uh, the Mega Box whenever they uh, released it uh, uh, years ago. I think it was 20 bucks to get all of them. Which it's just an insane deal for you know just how much gameplay is here. Granted, it is they're all sandbox games, so they're just you know how much uh, you want to play. Yeah, well, there's also actually a lot of story content in these games. Um, yeah, particularly the later ones because the earlier ones it, they're more story focused, but they're also a lot rougher just because of technology. Yeah. There's, I've actually never, I've never completed the story. I've tried. I've actually set out to try, but if you want to complete the full story of these games, you really have to get into every aspect of the game. It's not like you can just go, okay, I'm going to be a traitor and beat the story. No, you have to be able to actually fight yourself and go do stuff yourself with combat ships. You can't just be a combatant because you have to have have the money. You won't have the money, and also you won't have the fleet support for the later missions that involve you fighting aliens or full-on like faction battles like you have to get into every aspect of this game if you want to actually complete the story um i only played it for like seven or eight hours which now that i say that sounds it sounds like a lot but that's enough time to figure out the ui because the ui is very complex it's really obtuse If, if you've never played this game before use either a flight stick or a controller to fly around and then just use your mouse and keyboard for 
interfacing with other things because trying to fly you're saying that the DualShock 4 (laughs) is perfect because of the uh, trackpad on it yeah the Steam Controller actually probably would work really well too I haven't played this with a Steam Controller yet I might give that a shot because uh, I installed it on my main machine once I got home, and I got my flight stick out and dusted it off because it's been like a year since I've used that, uh, and I'm gonna gonna play it some more. Uh, there's a new game mode that you cannot now. You can just play 100% in sandbox mode and basically just go conquer whatever you want to by yourself. Like the story is <laughs> already complete in the this universe uh, in in custom mode. Uh, but it starts you out with a combat ship and zero dollars. And Whoops. there's, I mean, I guess you could, I mean, the game is fully functional with keyboard and mouse, but I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. It's much better with a flight stick. So I made, I basically spent eight hours genuinely going like, okay, how is it things? What do I do? How does this work? Cause it's been like a year or so since I've played the X games and I, Kind of remember the basics, but after that, like, everything's a little fuzzy. So I spent eight hours basically relearning the game, and I'm going to start a new game soon. And yeah, just shame play it's through not it. multiplayer. Because yeah, it, I don't, this would be a lot of fun to do co-op in. Yeah, I don't think there's any multiplayer mods. There might be. There's a ton of mods for this game. Yeah. Uh, for every version of this game. And Egosoft is very much like, yes, mod everything. Mod it all. So... I mean, I, I love these games. I've talked about them at length before in multiple previous podcasts. I'm not going to do that this time. For but once. St- yeah, but still, I'm going to get back into it. Going to get my flight stick out and, and oh, all that God. jazz. Uh, p- please put your pants back on. <laughs> so, yeah, good game. A lot of fun. Uh, thankfully, it's old enough that my laptop can run it at a pretty steady 60 FPS. Occasionally, it'll... it'll uh, have a hitch lock up a little bit but i mean this game came out in i think 2011 2010 something like that so and, and when you turn the graphics down a little bit it still looks fine i don't care about that it's, yeah, it's kind playable. of a shame that the latest uh, x uh, game or x4 rebirth or whatever they officially called it uh, was kind of such a departure from the series that it really turned a lot of people off yeah yeah yeah, I only got three hours in Prelude. I think I was for working on Terran Conf- Conflict just for the story. But yeah, we got going through the three X3 games uh, for the story because I I at least assumed that uh, Terran Conflict would uh, lead to er- Upper Prelude, which would lead to Reunion. I'm uh, not sure if it did or didn't. Yeah, you know, it's just one of those things that I was yeah you know, uh, assuming. Yeah. I've never actually beaten the Albion Prelude story, so I don't know if that's true or not. A lot of the events in it run parallel to Terran Conflict, though, so I don't know. Or, you know, I don't, just, I just, the, know. Uh, just the order of release and just to figure out, yeah, you know, the overall story. It is a little uh, unprofessional that I'm looking at uh, X3 Terran Conflict, and I'm pretty sure that's a Fraps FPS counter in the upper left-hand corner of the official screenshots. Is it? I'm looking on the store page. Is that a Fraps counter? That looks like a Fraps counter. The game does have an in-game counter, but it doesn't look like that. Yeah, and the fact that it's a very cinematic 24 FPS in one of these. Yeah. It's Great. terrible. This is also uh, yeah released in uh, o- well October 16th, uh, 2008. <laughs> but 
I wonder if the other ones have this. <laughs> Albion Prelude doesn't because I was just looking at it. Yeah, but it's also a lot more. Uh, it looks almost like just concept art on some of this. Yeah. Uh, the game is very pretty. I'm still impressed at how good this game from, uh, depending on which version you're playing, up to 10 years ago looks. I mean, Terran Conflict and Albion Prelude are both beautiful. I've never actually played Reunion, so I don't know, Ooh, but I wow. assume it looks uh, great, too. X3 Reunion, all their screenshots are in 4x3. I think Reunion is actually the oldest of the three X3s. I think it's Reunion, yep. Terran Conflict, and Albion Prelude in that order. Yeah, maybe I was getting my order backwards. Or maybe I was uh, told to go play the other ones. I don't know. I, I, it's been a long time since I tried to play these. Yeah, X3 uh, Reunion is November 3rd, 2005. One of the yep. top one of the top searches for X3 Albion Prelude auto-completes the multiplayer mod. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should go back and try to play the X uh, games again at some point. Granted, yeah. You know, yeah, it's kind of tough to go back and play it. Wow, the X uh, Super Box is up to 40 bucks. Then again, I imagine that include No, that doesn't include uh, anything new. <laughs> huh. Yeah, there's a... There's probably not a million, but it feels like a million. I'll dig through it later and see if there is a multiplayer mod. If there is, that may be something to try out sometime. Yeah. Granted, we need about two weeks' notice to be able to figure out, okay, what is this? Oh, no, 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 that's the uh, evacuate the uh, atmosphere in the cabin switch. Do not sw- put, put a post-it note. Do not switch. <laughs> no, don't push that. You'll self-destruct. Well, fuck. And yes, there is a self-destruct button. I don't know why you'd ever want to self-destruct. I don't think that any of this, <coughs> unless you like RAM, I don't think that self-destruct would be useful because the explosions don't travel that far because... It's space. I, I mean, aside from it not using realistic, Shrapnel. aside from it not being realistic orbital mechanics, mm-hmm. it's pretty it's pretty faithful and true to to space. Well, that's the thing is that not a lot of games do proper orbital or, or, orbital mechanics. As I mean, fact, they, it's a rarity to see it. I mean, they're not very fun for the most part. I would think. Like, I think that would be their reasoning. It well it depends on the scale as well because I really like Celestial Command and that's proper orbital mechanics. Yeah, but that's also yeah you know, the planets are very small in that. Yeah, the the Evacron series uses proper orbital mechanics. Uh, what was the uh, essentially uh, arena shooter that uh, has proper orbital mechanics? And I'm blanking on the name of now. Well, it's not an arena shooter, but it's turn-based uh, shooter. You know what I'm I talking don't about, know. right? No. No, um, I don't. Or if I do, I'm drawing a blank on it. You, you know, it's uh, sort of a combination of worms and sieve. Oh, planetary something. <laughs> I, know, I know what you're talking about now. I know what you're talking about. It's like you shoot your... It's a bunch of planets in the solar system, and you're trying to blow up the other planets, and yeah. you have to you have to account for gravitational forces. I mean, I mean that does have orbital, orbital mechanics. They're not realistic. Is it planetary bombardment? No, that's not it. It's not planetary. Interplanetary. Interplanetary. That's it. Um, it doesn't have uh, realistic uh, 
uh, orbital mechanics. Uh, and a matter of fact, it's very often you'll have someone going retrograde, <laughs> which uh, doesn't happen uh, too often in real uh, orbital mechanics. I mean, I'm not saying that it can't happen, but yeah, you know, it's. I don't think it's something that you would see all that often, but it's very often in this. Yeah. That's fun. It's fun. I've only played a couple of matches with people because I, I don't know very many people who own this game. I Well, I have it, but the thing is that, one, it's... Uh, it, when I tried to play it, it didn't have a spectator system at all, so as soon as you were knocked out, it was you were gone. You were knocked out of the game completely. Which, yeah, was a little bit off-putting. And also, they're making a second one. Are they really? I think so. Oh, well, no wonder this has a... Uh, you know, Worms with Civ, it's by Team 17. Why, why didn't I realize that? Hmm. Uh, well, they're making a remaster of it, I believe. Uh, I, if I recall... Because they were talking about uh, fixing it in a, a remaster or... Uh, 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 interplanetary enhanced edition update. Yeah, there it is. Uh, it's on their uh, store pa- or not on their store page, but on their forums. And we are way, way off topic. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. Why don't you go ahead and and get us back on topic? What's your next game? Oh uh, well, my next game is my second mobile game for and last mobile game in this Card Thief. This is a stealth card game, mobile game. It's pretty interesting. I've not played a lot of it, and the free version of it is essentially a demo. I mean, they do have it where you can continue playing for free, but the thing is that each time you complete a mission, it counts up higher and higher on the completion timer to unlock the chest that you're stealing. And I think at this point, I'm like at 45 minutes (laughs) for each level. But it's also nice. something that, that I'm just toying around with, so yeah, just seeing how it goes. But the idea of this is that you're trying to essentially work your way through a dungeon, which is a particular deck of cards. And you have your thief, and all the cards, or all the rest of the cards, are dealt out in a 3 by 3 grid. Now, this could almost be a real physical card game. Uh, if it wasn't for a couple of the mechanics, especially how they generate, how they calculate the uh, stealth movement, I think would be a little bit too much for a physical card game. But uh, in the uh, deck, or at least the one I have unlocked right now, I'm most of the way through the first area. You have guard cards, you have uh, sneak cards, which replenishes the amount of stealth that your particular character has. You have hide cards, which allows you to replenish up to 10, uh, or get back up to 10 uh, stealth. Trader cards, which uh, trades uh, treasure for a a certain amount of sneak. Torches that you could extinguish to lower the alert level of various cards. And the idea of it is to get through the deck, steal a treasure chest, and escape. Uh, pretty much your standard stealth game, but the way that they did it uh, is very interesting, and it has a very beautiful aesthetic to it, where everything has uh, this uh, pseudo... uh, I'm not even sure how to describe it. It, uh, 
I don't want to call it hand drawn because it's yeah everything's too clean for that, but it has a very steampunk feel to it with how everything moves. Uh, you're probably looking at it right now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Can can you describe just how it looks? I mean, that's one of those things that it, it has a sort of a hand drawn look to it, but it's too clean and too uh, precise for that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know how to I don't really know how to describe maybe like someone hand drew it on a what are those things called where you can just like draw on it and it translates it directly into a tablet well no I thought they had special names for them a drawing pad sure that's what this looks like but it does have a very nice uh, look to it yeah and you could see uh well, uh, if you're looking at the screenshots of it, where you go around you, uh, uh, all the guards are looking in various directions, and you have uh, different equipment that you can force them to look in a different direction to sneak up behind them and bash them in the head uh, to take them out and uh, extinguish uh, torches to uh, lower the uh, alertness of various cards, but that also causes them to look in your direction, and cards could also move uh, to uh, uh, check out uh, an extinguished torch and that sort of thing. Granted, uh, some of the screenshots are in later areas that I haven't quite gotten to yet. But one of the first screenshots shows uh, the movement uh, going to talk to someone to replenish uh, stealth and going to go uh, knock out someone and hide. And you're just trying to get through the deck. It's a, actually a lot of fun. Uh, and to uh, There's a couple ways that you could play it. You could play it for free and... Uh, just wait to unlock the chest. The first few chests are, you know, just a few seconds just to get a feel for things. Uh, you could also watch a commercial after each level, which isn't too bad. Uh, I think it's each one's 30 seconds or you just pay two bucks and, you know, you have the game. Not a bad little game, though. I actually yeah, this enjoyed one, it. This one looks cute, too. I'm not sure if I'm going to install this one or not. <laughs> Figures, the one I actually like, you don't want to play. <laughs> Oh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I might. I probably will. I say that. I probably will. All right. My next game, Need for Speed Undercover. This one's gonna be quick. Uh, it didn't work on either my laptop or my game and PC. Uh, on my laptop, I don't. So I have I have to use integrated graphics on my laptop, but the game didn't recognize the integrated graphics so i'm not sure how it was displaying graphically other than it looked like <laughs> hot garbage everything was super flat and just it was terrible and and the game was not running at a playable frame rate it was like 17 which is unplayable for anything except maybe like a turn-based game or a point-and-click game but it was just terrible just the worst and on my desktop, it just crashed constantly. I tried, I mean, I didn't spend too much time on it. I bought this, it was like two bucks on the Steam sale. I'd been wanting to play a Need for Speed game, and Undercover was the only one in like the last 10 years that I liked but didn't finish. So I was like, yeah, I'll get that, and I'll play it, and I'll finish it, you know, have just like a fun arcadey racing game, because, you know, I like to have those every once in a while too, despite being seriously into Sims, but. It just crashed, 
every three minutes on my desktop. The only thing I can figure is just hardware incompatibility. Uh, so I refunded that one. Which sucks, because I really liked Need for Speed Undercover. It was one of the, like, better ones before they started getting... Too Fast and Furious? Too, yeah, Too Fast and Furious. It was one of the... I think it was the last one before they had their serious run, because they had the Need for Speed Pro Street games and the Need for Speed Shift, which was a more of a simulator-style racing game. Yeah, um, because that's what people bought for Need for Speed for. Actually, Shift was a lot of fun. It took some getting used to, because you're like, this is Need for Speed. I should be able to use nitrous and have giant turbos and... So you're saying it was a shift for the series? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except they beat you to the punch. But uh, I, I like shift. But yeah, Undercover was, was great, but never... Uh, it's, it's just not meant to be, I guess. So I got my two bucks back. So you definitely didn't buy that for a dollar? <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh, well... Since you had your racing games, shall I talk about my little driving game? Sure. Well, I got on a simulator kick as well. Only mine actually worked. Euro Truck Sim 2. Mostly just getting back into it because I haven't played it for a while. And I got one of the DLCs for it, which we'll talk about later. Uh, No, no, unfortunately, it wasn't one of the map DLCs. It's probably going to be waiting for at least the winter sale. Because the map DLCs are kind of expensive for this game. For area-wise. Indeed. And I'm a cheapskate. Uh, Indeed. But, but it, it mostly boils down to a moment I'm driving along and a cop passes me. And I stop and I look at it and think, when the hell did they add police in this game? <laughs> <laughs> because it used to be, last time I played it, that you could speed all you want and as long as you remembered where all the uh, speed traps were, the the speed cameras, you know that uh, that's all that mattered. Now that they added the police, you have to constantly watch for them. <laughs> and since you're usually hauling something, you can't do that because they'll just come up behind you and ticket you. <laughs> yep. But, but it's just one of those things that I'm driving along. Do 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 do. Uh, huh? That car looks a little. That car has lights on it. That's a policeman. <laughs> yep, they drive past you, wee wee, and then you get a a ticket, lose some like three hundred euros or five hundred euros, depending on where you are and how much you're speeding. Yeah, it's just <laughs> that was hilarious. Uh, the, yeah, but overall, you know, it's pretty much the same game. I uh, have uh, the Scandinavia and the Eastern expansion, so I'm just lacking the uh, French one, and I probably should go back and. Uh, go through Scandinavia because uh, I think that's probably some of the uh, prettiest territory that they have, at least for now. I'm not sure how they did the French. But it is very impressive just the amount of uh, graphical fidelity that game has. Yeah, it's a really good looking game for what it is. And And I think I figured out that I do like uh, driving sims as long as I'm not racing. Because I like spin tires and I like Euro Truck. <laughs> but I don't like uh, things like Dirt, Dirt Rally. But then again, I'm also, you know, not barreling down a racetrack at 200 miles per hour trying to uh, steer with a uh, gamepad. Yeah. And now you're searching for other <laughs> driving games, aren't you? 
<laughs> no, I was I went to go see what DLC I have, and the only one I have is the Rocket League promo. I don't know what that is. Uh, that's uh, a couple of just uh, uh, cabin accessories that they added uh, for anyone that had Rocket League. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have... Uh, oh, search for it on here. Let's see, I have uh, the Dragon Truck uh, design pack from uh, Christmas, which uh, gives me various dragon uh, paint jobs for my trucks. Scandinavia... A trailer pack that has just uh, uh, cosmetic stuff. I also got it somewhere. Metallic paint jobs, which is a freebie if you register with uh, World of Trucks, which I recommend you do. Uh, the Going East expansion, uh, Rocket League promo, and cabinet accessories. Yeah, I don't have any of the DLCs. I like the game. I just don't play it enough to justify in my mind buying any of the well, DLCs. Well, well, this is one of those games that I'll go to uh, as a uh, just a time killer. But this is almost in the same uh, league for me as Warframe is. Only it's a lot less violent. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> less shooty-shooty well, bang-bang. Well, well, I shouldn't say less violent, uh, it, but less violence overall. Because there are times that, you know, there is some violence whenever I ram someone. Uh, yeah, car darts down in front of me, and I just plow into it. And then suddenly, I'm you know a couple thousand uh, euros che- uh, lighter on my wallet because I'm uh, ticketed for you know ramming someone, even though they darted out in front of me. And then I have to repair my truck, and then the insurance premiums go up, so I have to pay more overall for a Tom Bing, which that's a mod, by the way, that I really like. That. Uh, uh, it makes it so that you essentially have an insurance uh, policy, and the better you drive and the cleaner you drive, the less you pay on your day-to-day maintenance. But if you get into a lot of accidents, you pay more. It's kind of neat. Yeah, I'll have to get that. I do. I don't. I mean, I've had a couple of accidents. At some I'm point, sure I'll have a few uh, more. Well, I'm but... not sure if it requires any of the DLCs, but there is a multiplayer mod. The thing is that everything I hear about the multiplayer mod is usually people being very, very salty about bad players or players that are absolute dicks in this game. Yeah. And it's probably not a game I would take my uh, personal save file onto uh, multiplayer. I would probably make a new one. Granted, uh, my save file is at the point where it's uh, self-sufficient. I could just sit somewhere and let the money roll in. Which I do, I do wish that the, well, there, I had two wishes for this game. One, I wish the business manager was a little bit deeper. Because it's pretty much just hire driver, hire truck, upgrade truck a little bit so driver uh, drives better. And then, you know, uh, wait for the cash to roll in. And right. the other thing is, well, kind of twofold on this is that I wish that there was more traffic. Because you you get on the open road and there's no one there and it feels very lonesome. But on the flip side of that, I also want the AI traffic to be a lot better. Granted, maybe it's realistic that you know everyone sucks at driving, <laughs> and uh, it, because of how uh, the time compression is, you know, you driving for two or three hours at a time in real life is you know several weeks worth of game time because. Uh, combined with just having to rest and, you know, that's overnight, and ferry rides take up a large chunk of time as well. Particularly if you go from Scandinavia to the UK. Because that's a long ferry ride. But, 
you know, maybe it comes down to realism that, you know, uh, you know, every couple of weeks you'll run to someone that will, will dart out in front of you and you have to slam on the brakes and, uh, you know, damage your load and uh, have to pay insurance on that. That happened to me this morning when I was driving to the clinic. Bunch of dicks. Someone darted out in front of me in traffic. <laughs> I'd slam on my brakes, threw my backpack in the floor. You know what they should broke. do? If they're going to do it like that, they should have uh, the person that... Uh, constantly just dart down in front of you have a cell phone in their hand <laughs> they're looking down at it texting <laughs> and you just see the car plow into the wall <laughs> tumbling end over end but yeah that's uh, you're a truck I, I would like to try multiplayer at some point but I think it's something that I would want to do do a convoy with uh, some of the BGL crew because we have several people that own this game Convoy. Convoy. I hate that song, but we could just play it over and over again. It would be an acceptable time to, to play it. At least until uh, American Truck Simulator gets the uh, the eastern part of the U.S., then we could just start playing the Smokey the Bandit soundtrack. <laughs> Eastbound down. Uh. Oh. All right. Well, my next game is one that uh, I don't know if you'll be surprised to hear that I really liked it or not, but Starbound. So Starbound is basically Space Terraria. Well, I'm more surprised that you are still playing it. <laughs> Why are you surprised that I'm still because playing it? Because you got rather bored with Terraria. Well, okay, so my biggest problem with Terraria is that you get no direction. I mean, yeah, you can go online and you can do what we did and we can look up, like, the wiki. Okay, how do you unlock this? Where do you go to do that? But you're confined to one map and it changes at a certain point in the game. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and then, but, but I mean, basically it stays the same the entire time. On Starbound, you get one, it's got, it's got a much bigger focus on sort of RPG elements. You have to go and complete quests. It's got a main story with a goal that you can complete objectives. You can run into people at like trading stations or even on planets or whatever, or whenever you start colonizing worlds, your people will want you to do things for them. So it's got a whole bunch of missions that help give you direction. And Hmm. you've got a ship that you start with and you can upgrade as you go and customize a bit. Um, and sci-fi, like, I've said this before, like, sci-fi is my thing. Like, that's oh, my wow. favorite sort of genre and style. So games that I'm not necessarily so hot on or kind of eh about, that sci-fi theme is often enough to give it a push in the, in the right direction for me. So, like, um, you know, there's mechs and spaceships and teleporters and... Uh, jet I have to ask: and... uh, Is this a series, of, <laughs> a game that you'd want to do a series on at some point? I would. I absolutely would. Um, I'm mostly so I did the sort of tutorial, which takes I don't know, fifteen twenty minutes, and then sort of your first few missions are also teaching you things about the game, and that takes maybe like two hours to complete all of that, and then I've just spent almost like six or seven of the next 10 hours that I played the game, just on my starting planet, building my first little colony and like learning how different things work. You do have to eat food. Uh, 
So that might be frustrating for you. I don't know how you feel about that, like having to... Uh, it really depends on how focused the game is on that, because uh, survival elements like that can get very annoying very quickly. It's it's super annoying. I actually Ugh. I downloaded a mod that uh, it either doubles or triples the um, amount of like food that you or no, what's the best way to say it? It makes it so that you don't have to eat as much food. Basically, it slows down your metabolism. Yeah, it slows it slows it down quite a bit. So, if if your food meter is full in the like unmodded, you've got maybe twenty minutes before you have to eat something. Otherwise, you start dying from not having eaten. Um, this mod makes it take you about an hour. Okay, that's not too bad. Uh, and then you can set up. I mean, I've just got a farm at my home base, and so I'll get a whole bunch of food, cook it up, and put it in the fridge so that it doesn't decay, and then. Just fill up my inventory, or stop by every so often and just eat. Take a few things with me, so that if I get in a jam, I can eat while I'm exploring. Um, well, but can you eat jam? You can eat jam. You can make jam. <laughs> it's got a really robust cooking system, actually. Oh, well, now I know why you've been playing this game. You can grow. I mean, you can grow or find and then eat basic fruits and vegetables like. Corn, tomatoes, apples, that sort of thing. Or you can take them and cook them into a version of their food that is cooked. Like, <coughs> excuse me, tomatoes become like tomato soup and apples become like apple pie and stuff like that. And then you can combine multiple ingredients to make cookies and cakes and meals and things like that. <coughs> excuse me, sorry, I have to do some editing there. <coughs> But uh, it's got a very robust cooking system. It's got a pretty in-depth crafting system. I mean, it's very Terraria-esque, and it's like, okay, you've got this bench to craft this thing, and this whatever to make this item, and all that sort of jazz. So all that's the same. Um, Things mine and build basically the same as Terraria. You have, like, this little gun uh, called the Matter... Does it matter? ...or something? (laughs) <laughs> well one of the taglines is like um making what is it making things that don't matter matter with the matter atom <laughs> molecularizer or whatever but it's like um there's making things that don't matter into matter that's what the tagline is for ah. but it's like in you know and in, instead of having to have a drill and an axe and a whatever it's like this one thing does everything so that's pretty handy the game also focuses a lot more on combat than Terraria does since it's mission based so there's a lot more different types of enemies. There's a lot more different types of weapons. The game is super moddable. There's there must be a million mods in the Steam Workshop modding everything from like there's this weird series of mods that I've discovered. Like there's a van on this space station and there's just a series of mods like fly that van, it turns into a spaceship or mechanize that van, it turns it into a mech you can pilot. Do all kinds of stuff with that. That's pretty neat. There's mods to put all kinds of Star Wars, Star Trek, every sci-fi thing you want or could think of into the game. Weapon packs. So there's tons of customizing you can do, which makes the game pretty much infinitely replayable, which it kind of is anyways. Uh, the gist of it is it's like there's this ancient evil that comes back, like some kind of Cthulhu-esque monster, and you have to travel around the galaxy collecting all the specific artifacts in order to craft the ultimate weapon to defeat it. 
and as you go you explore planets and unlock better technology and stuff like that and that you use to upgrade your ship and you can find people to crew your ship which gives your ship different bonuses based on what kind of crew you get the colonizing aspect is fun it works pretty similarly to to terraria you build basically a house and based on the items you put in the house you can attract a shopkeeper or you know different types of colonists that eventually can become your crew if you want to and you can put specific crew members on board but otherwise they grant you bonuses to your planet uh that you're on it's just it's a lot of fun i mean terraria in space with sci-fi trappings is is a great premise and i really enjoy it i've played it for something like 12 or 14 hours so far and uh i'm definitely gonna keep playing it and if we let's see let me scroll down here looks like 11 of my friends own this game how many of you are vgl people uh looks like your uncle has it kyle has it I might put this one on the next multiplayer list. We could start a multiplayer server. Uh, it doesn't go on great sales very often. It was still like 11 or 12 bucks on sale. But, I mean, I've had this game on my wish list for forever. Ever since it first came out in beta. So I'm glad I bought it. I've really enjoyed it. Okay, so... Uh, out of the elevator and into our next game. Ah... Uh, and it was my Sunday sampler. Infinite Mini Golf. Yeah, I decided not to do my long-term project just yet, mostly because I didn't spend enough time on it. And I had a week where I was just not playing really anything. Or not, nothing of uh, real interest. So I picked up something that I got a, a review copy of pretty recently. And, well... Yeah... Okay, Jared, a quick question. How would you okay. expect this game to be scored? If you were playing this game, how would you expect to uh, have to beat the opponent? By fewer having fewer strokes than your opponent? Just like then you how would golf be works? Wrong. Okay. They have this oddball scoring system where each stroke takes a certain number of points off. You start at 10,000 points per hole. And if you get a hole in one, it's 10,000 points. Unless you something else happens, which I'll get to in a little bit. Then the next uh, putt is 2,000 down. Uh, an albatross, it's 8,000. And granted, they still keep the uh, terminology. Well, scattered across the, uh, the developer-made courses are blue gems and a purple gem. And the purple gym is worth 2,000 points. So can you guess where we're going with this? You have and, to balance getting actually good shots versus getting yes. the, the rewards. And sometimes, and sometimes the purple uh, uh, shot is, or the purple gym is nowhere near a possible you know, one or two shot uh, completion. And none of the holes have proper pars either. They're usually all doable within, I would say, two, maybe three shots. Particularly if they have these shortcut things where you'll have a character sitting on the hole, or, sit, or sitting somewhere on the course, I should say, and you put uh, the ball to them and does a you know, about 10 second animation and they either throw it or kick it or uh, punt it or, you know, whatever. Right. Uh, 
uh, in a particular direction. And usually it goes directly to the hole. Not always. And sometimes you have to use a particular power-up, which I'll get to the power-ups in just a moment. But if a character is sitting uh, somewhere where you could do that, well, then, you know, going for the purple gem is kind of useless. But the thing is that because you're not watching the AI play, the points are just arbitrary on what they get. And the point system overall... They don't tell you jack shit on how it scored. This is what I figured out over the course of, I would say, about four hours playing it, because there's no tutorial in this game whatsoever. Oh, and also, if you get a one in ho- a hole in one, your the point on your next hole is doubled. And they don't go into this anywhere, so... It also becomes a, a situation where the rich get richer in this case. You know, if you get a good shot... Well, the next uh, hole, you also get a hole-in-one. That doubles the points again. So you have three holes of double points instead of two. So you can see how things kind of get out of control. So I'm watching, and this might be the power-ups you're about to talk about, but I'm watching the uh, the trailers for this game, and it looks like you can control your ball? Yes. Uh, it's, uh, there's, uh, oh, I want to say about a half a dozen or so power-ups. And one of which has a control where uh, you take direct control over your ball. Which, you know, yeah. That that always feels so cheaty because usually whenever they have a power-up like that, it's a requirement to get a good uh, score on that particular hole. And if you miss it or you screw it up, then, yeah, there's no way to do it. And that... Also uh, comes into an issue of my control, my issue with the controls of this game. Okay, golf game. How do you control a golf game? Uh, typically you use either the D pad or you know whatever some method of control to turn left and right, and then there's usually a slider that requires you to tap the buttons at the right time to get your power just the way you want it. Occasionally, games will use joysticks uh, for control uh, well, of these games. Uh, well. This uses the joystick method. It uses the right thumbstick, and you pull it back uh, to uh, set your power, and then you release it. And it is finicky as a fuck on the amount of power. Trying to hit a, a very precise shot. And the thing is, well, it's not like mini golf has you know this element of puzzle where you have to have a very precise, a very precise amount of power. On your shots, right? Right? Nah. And, well, I did try this with mouse and keyboard as well. Mouse and keyboard, power is absolutely spot on. It's very easy to hit. But, then you come to the issue of the power-ups, where if you have a power-up that you assume direct control, you would assume, you know, uh, A and D, you know, uh, wads would uh, control it. You would. I'm guessing that you would be wrong. You would be wrong. It's the mouse. As in, you scroll left, and you start turning left, until you stop scrolling left, and then you suddenly stop going left. So, if you have a, a, let's say, a hole that has 180 degrees worth of turn, you're uh, quickly scrolling the mouse right or left, Picking up, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And it's just... Why? Why the fuck would they do it like this? 
Isn't this made by the same studio that did yes. FX Pinball? Yes, the, the Pinball guys. <laughs> Those are good games. And this is not the first game in the series. There was a PS, I believe, 3 game that was a World of Mini Golf or something like that, which it uses the same control method uh, for the controller, but it's an actual golf game, as in it's scored like a damn golf game, and it doesn't look like this at all. It this has a complete art shift. Oh, and also had uh, uh, camera issues <laughs> where they don't do the whole, you know, something's in the way. Let's fade the terrain a little bit or fade, you know, the uh, little goofy uh, thing off the, on the side to give uh, the whole some character. No, they don't do that at all. So there's several times that I would uh, take a shot and I wouldn't be able to see exactly how my shot did to try to improve because, oh, a bulldog was in the way because it has, the game has three different things. It has giant house, it has haunted mansion, and it has Santa's workshop. And uh, like on giant house, there's giant bulldogs around and uh, finches and rats and that sort of thing. And, you know, if something's in the way, well, it's in the way. You can't see. It's just, yo, know, how the hell uh, did, uh, did that get uh, past everything and still get, yo, know, high reviews? Maybe I'm just very, very tough on games. I don't know. No, this sounds like a really stupid game. Oh, uh, but let's see. Oh, oh, something else, something else. It, it, now, if you were to play a player-made hole, because this does have, of course, the uh, uh, course editor. I mean, pretty much that's standard, that's bog standard for... Uh, sports games these days and you played a hole that was absolutely terrible and you rated it down what would you think happens if you play the uh you know some more uh player made holes you would not get holes like that or made by that same person and you would be wrong of course i uh, would yeah well first of all they don't have a straight thumbs up thumbs down they have all these little emoji emoticon bullshit things yeah, there's a uh, gold star. There's thumbs. Uh, there is a thumbs up, I believe. Uh, but then all the negative ones are like sick face, angry face, uh, bored face, which, yeah. How is that feedback exactly? Or, you know, telling you, you know, I, well, this game, uh, this hole may be bored. So be sure to include this one. Oh, and also a lot of the ones that I encountered a player made created on my video for this game. Suddenly, the game decided, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be including these. So, but a lot of them were one or two uh, pieces of tile and then a hole, and it was literally putting practice. <laughs> and the thing is that playing uh, player made holes uh, nets you the currency for the shop, which it does have an in game shop. Thankfully, at least for the time being, no uh, microtransactions. Oh, which gets me to the cosmetic shop. Okay, cosmetic shop. It acts like it's a damn free-to-play game. It has different currencies for every category. And you get currencies in uh, packs of uh, cards. So, uh, well, I showed this in my video where I could buy literally all the shirts, all the pants, all the clubs. But because I got unlucky, I couldn't get a damn belt. Okay. And you also uh, could get these packs of currency uh, 
uh, by doing various missions with the, which the level up progression is completely obtuse as well. Okay. How would you level up in a game like this? Um, I assume that you would get maybe based on the points you got, because that would be an indication of your skill. You would just gain experience over time and level up. And you would be wrong. I feel like there's a pattern that's been developing here. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. This game has it where you're given various missions, and some of them are just completely absurd. Like, okay, use this particular power up twice. But unless you go hunting for uh, for the particular holes, or remember that, okay, well, the heavy ball uh, power-up, which is never used except in, like, two instances, uh, if you get that mission, you have to go hunt those holes down because you just are not going to level up. And you're given two sets of missions. You're given one set of three that are your currency missions. Yeah, you... I complete those and boom, you get a little bit of currency for the shop, which allows you to buy a pack of bullshit cards that gives you the currency for the cosmetic shop that, you know, you're never going to get the one that you want anyway. And all the cosmetics are locked behind levels anyway. So if you want, uh, you know, something, uh, kind of cool, well, you're going to have to wait till you level up, which is the second set of missions, which are very particular missions. And some of them take a very long time to do, you know, uh, complete 20 holes on uh, casual mode. Well, honestly, casual mode is uh, boring as hell because they have all the, you know, helpers turned on. You know, all the holes have this giant black hole abyss that sucks the ball down into you get in the same zip code as the hole. And, yeah, I just didn't like this game, <laughs> as you may guessed. Yep, I think I gathered that. And also, well, one other thing is that the difference well, there's over 300 holes. There's like 324 holes developer made. But, okay, it's split between three themes, each one with three difficulties. Each uh, difficulty has four sets of uh, holes, and each ho- set of holes is nine holes, which comes out uh, after all the math uh, to 324, I believe, 108 each. Well, if I recall correctly, I could be a little bit off on that. But yeah, over 300. But the thing is that the difference between casual and normal is very minor. You know, it's just the uh, helpers with normal maybe adding a block here or there. And the difference between normal and hard is also very minimal where you you may have a timing thing where you have to uh, uh, get past a rat that's uh, dangling over the hole or something like that. So it's kind of cheaty on just the number of holes that they uh, claim. Oh, I just... It makes me wonder, you know, how the hell did they make this game? <laughs> and better yet, how the hell is it so highly rated? Um, uh, magic? Or I just have a higher standard. And whenever I go to play a mini-golf game, which here's the thing, is that there has been a resurgence of mini-golf games out on Steam. Yeah, I've seen quite a and, few and, here lately. And this is one of the more expensive ones, and they expect to raise the price once it leaves early access, which it's about to. That's why I did the uh, the video for this. Is that That's why I got the review copy, was that it's late in its early access cycle. There's a lot better uh, mini-golf games out there for a lot cheaper than this before they even raise the price. So go play one of those instead. Yeah, this just doesn't seem like it's actually a mini golf game. This feels like a puzzle game that is mini golf based, 
but the but the developers heard of mini golf at one point and liked the idea of it, but never bothered to research it further. Yeah, See, it feels kind of like Marble Blast Ultra to me with uh, like a golf theme. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it does have uh, that feeling of some of the older physics-based puzzlers, but you know, it's just why? Why did you do it like this? Why? Yeah. <sighs> they should stick to pinball. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, the next game on my list is Transport Fever. Yay! Uh, I played a shit ton of this while I was gone. I played it on the train a lot. Uh, and then also when not on the train... And, uh, and I mostly also, uh, made the gif uh, in your honor uh, playing a transport uh, game like that. Yeah. Um, but but right before I left, like maybe a week or two before I left, the developers of the game, Urban Games, uh, put out a, a modding contest. And they were like, hey, we, wanna, we want some cool future content in our game. Because one of the biggest complaints is like once you get to around the year 2000, 2010... There stops being new trains and trucks and buses and things like that. There's like maybe one or two past that point. Mm-hmm. And they were like, hey, we want some future content in the game. Uh, we're going to have a contest and have some winners and stuff. But why doesn't all of our modding community put together some future uh, styled mods for the game? So I downloaded all of the mods that they had available and played through a, a game with all of the future mods. There's some really cool stuff. Yeah, I'm looking at the maglift train. That's kind of neat. Yeah. Um, but it's just nice. I just I love when devs acknowledge that mods are a thing, and they can be really good to uh, extend the life of your game and give you good uh, publicity and stuff. So it was just nice, and there's a lot of cool stuff. Like a lot of the mods focus on automation and sort of like, well, this technology that we have that's either experimental still or theoretical or maybe it is in use but it's not really widespread like let's make that take that and make it into a thing for the game <laughs> i'm looking I at never... the beluga yeah uh this That's giant the... uh, bus yeah the big I'm automatic assuming. bus or the beluga might be the the uh, big it's automatic a self-driving truck. truck yeah it's yeah. the truck well sorry i just uh, i saw the windows on the side and thought bus or at least I assume those are windows just by glancing at it. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's a lot of stuff here. Yeah. And that's I, the thing is that modding can add a lot of life to the game. It's just, it's one of those things that modders have to be treated well. Yeah. I love, my favorite is the atomic train. Just because I'm like, I'm in Fallout. I make all of my trains. I made all of my trains in one of my games, atomic trains. Even though it's, technically it's a freight locomotive. <coughs> I made everything with atomic trains. And yeah, then, then you run them together and uh, you have mushroom clouds. Yeah, absolutely. And so you can get sued by a singer uh, for the wonder. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I didn't have a ton to say about it. I still have Transport Fever. I play it a ton. Just I've not played it with a ton of mods. I've always used like one or two mods, like ones that make the economy run a little bit smoother. Um <coughs> I'm gonna have to go make some tea. I think. <clears throat> That's why I had to have the bathroom break because I'm constantly drinking to prevent that. 
Yeah. Um, but like one of the issues with the games game is that the economy gets a little finicky towards the the later game because it's really difficult to keep your production high enough on everything in order to actually meet the demands of your of the late game cities. Uh, and I assume that that's to encourage you to use like multiple sources to get all of your goods and spread them around. But I tend to build a big centralized hub where everything collects and then ship it out to cities. And just having a whole bunch of different like uh, stops on your routes for cargo can cause them to sometimes not produce enough because the the factory is like, oh, you've got you know X amount of whatever sitting at this station, but it's not tracking the other stations where that cargo is still going to. So uh, I, I usually use mods that just like either tweak that, fix it in some way. Um, mods that add uh, a few vehicles to the game. Or it just changes the metabolism. It's mostly just quality of life stuff. I use mods that cut down on the amount of certain effects so that I can keep my frame rate up. Even my i7 struggles once you get to the mid to late game on like a medium sized map. Small maps are okay, but small maps only have a maximum of seven cities on the randomization. And oh, that's hardly fun. And it, yeah, that's not really fun. So it, uh, I have to play on at least medium maps. And large maps, even at the beginning of the game, a large map can cause my game to chug. Just because of the way that it simulates all of the citizens and everything. It's just, I mean, this is a super CPU-bound game. Now I'm just having flashbacks to Dwarf Fortress. No. But, Transport Fever. Fun game to play on a train. I don't know, that made the experience feel more special. It's not been the same since I got back, man. Well, uh, moving along to another game that starts with a T. Torchlight 2. This is a game that I've actually been playing with a few people lately. (laughs) And this is uh, the game that kind of turned me on to the ARPG genre. It's one of those that it's as deep as you wanted to make it, but there's enough of just, you know, going around and a lot of uh, quality of life stuff that makes the experience a lot of fun. Other than that, it is a very, very bog-standard ARPG, for the most part. Uh, but the main thing that it changes is just how you handle inventory out in the, uh, in the wild with the inclusion of your pet. Everyone has a pet in this game. Uh, well, at least one uh, permanent pet. And that pet also has its own inventory. So you could ship stuff off to your pet, and then you could send your pet off to town to go buy and sell. It could buy stuff off of its uh, shopping list, which has four slots, which could uh, buy healing potions, mana potions, different scrolls, and that sort of thing. And it could sell its inventory and come back within a couple minutes, and you, know, you could just keep going, and uh, uh, it doesn't really slow down the gameplay that much. I mean, Grant, you do have to stop to sort things, but... It's not nearly as intensive as something like Diablo. I was just uh, stopping there for a moment. Okay. Yeah, but uh, on top of uh, how the pet handles things, well, also the pet has its own ability to uh, have its own spells, which 
uh, every class has their own skills, but then they have uh, four slots for various spells that could drop as scrolls, which you learn. And the pet could also learn four spells. So you could have, well, my main character is a, has a pet mimic. All right. And just mimic as in treasure chest, uh, bouncing around behind him. And that mimic also summons a bunch of skeletons. So the mimic has its own little skeleton army. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, and also, uh, name my mimic Chewy. Because, nice. you know, mimic, uh, chewing on something. And, uh, well, one of my friends I play with, uh, also gave, uh, well, the, uh, the pets, you have your standard cosmetic pets. Yeah. You know, your starter pets are really no difference of, of what they do, uh, other than just, you know, looks. There's some argument over whether or not the hawk and the owl, the flying pets, are a little bit faster and uh, could get to things a little bit easier. But yeah, that's, yeah, very minor. But then you could fish to get these, uh, uh, fish to, yeah, fish to get fish to transform your pet. And some of these are permanent uh, ones, like the, I believe it's the largemouth bass turns it into a mimic. <laughs> All right. And the upgraded, uh, pets like that have uh, an increased, uh, skill or increased, uh, Bonuses like the uh, spider, uh, the webfish can turn pets into a spider, and the spider could, has the innate ability to shoot webs uh, to slow enemies. Or the mimic it has a higher damage and higher uh, defense. The crab pet uh, could uh, has a lot more armor, you know, that sort of thing, and allows you to customize a little bit more. And but it's also one of those things that it doesn't matter that much, but if you wish to go into it, it, you know, you could have some fun tweaking it. And overall, it's accessible enough that you never feel like you've completely boned yourself on uh, your skills. And there is a a developer-made mod to that sells a, a full respect potion that is in the game, so you don't even have to you don't have to worry about having that mod. Uh, but that's the only way to access it. You know, it's uh, it's a uh, it's a convenience feature, right? Okay. But you never feel like you're completely out of sorts, and that's something that uh, can easily happen with something like Path of Exile or Diablo, where uh you get to that point where you realize I built my character wrong, and I'm no longer having fun with it. And this, you can do a full respec, or even uh, without that full respec. You don't feel like, you know, you're completely boned. And that's what I really like about this game. Right. Didn't I, we'll talk more about this later, but didn't I buy Torchlight 2 for? I'm pretty sure you did. And I've been, I played some with Kyle, which uh, Kyle has a tendency to go run off and do things. Of course he does. I played another, well, I've made three different characters in the last like week. I have one that I'm playing with Kyle and Jim, which Jim, uh, doesn't know the game all that well. And I probably have, I probably made the worst combination possible with Jim and Kyle. (laughs) Uh, And then I'm playing with another friend that I've known for ages and she absolutely loves my mimic. And uh, uh, she keeps asking, so are you a fan of Terry Pratchett? If you have a mimic following you around, (laughs) (laughs) because you know, the disc world thing, uh, uh, granted, I'm pretty sure that piece of luggage has a ton of legs, and this 
Mimic just is hopping around, so you just hear tunk, 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 tunk the entire time. Which honestly makes it a lot funnier to me. I think I would get annoyed at that after a while. Well, it's not a very loud sound. And trust me, uh, it gets drowned out. Okay. I will trust you. Yeah. Well, there's a uh, first. (laughs) (laughs) But I think you would like this game. Uh, It's like a lot of your uh, issues with the game will probably be its perspective because it still has the isometric view. Yeah, but after playing Divinity for so long, I think I've gotten over my hang-up with that. There are a couple times that uh, the the view can be a little bit cumbersome, but that's mostly coming down to the art style, where it has this very bright art style uh, and an exaggerated look on everything. But okay. It's, uh, but, yeah, I, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, I think you'll enjoy your time in it once we uh, eventually play it. I'm not sure if, uh, you know, it's just going to be a streaming game if we'll eventually play it on YouTube. Uh, uh, ARPGs can be good uh, on YouTube because you can edit the hell out of them. And there is a lot of downtime in this. But maybe it'll be a good streaming game or just goofing around game. I don't know. It's going to be something to figure out at some point. But I do want to play with you. Oh, thanks. Uh, the, the only downside to this is that it doesn't have a lot of crafting in it. There is a, a light crafting system where you can combine potions into bigger potions. And there is a couple of uh, fish that are used in making a, a unique helmet. But for the most part, it's you know just combining your potions into be- uh, better ones instead of selling and rebuying. That's probably the weakest point of this game is you know just the uh, lack of crafting. But then again, that this is meant to be almost an entry level ARPG, right? Well, I mean, you know, I like crafting, but if a game doesn't have crafting, it's not like it's terrible or anything. Well, I just know that you've said in Divinity for hours. Well, I mean, I I like the crafting system in Divinity. It's really good. Okie dokie. Well, let's wrap up this massive long games section with my last game, which is uh, Sword of the Stars. I also played quite a bit of Sword of the Stars on my trip. Um, and I mean, I played this game a ton. I did a review of it, like, played it a lot, really like it. But there's the there are two races that I had never really played, and they were the DLC races. Um just because my favorite race in the game to play is the humans, because I really like their FTL travel system, um, the the node drive, which like each planet has a gravitational link to other planets, and uh, it's incredibly fast. Even at the beginning of the game, when you don't have any uh, any tech researched, but yeah, until you have to go to somewhere that doesn't have a node. Yes, that does happen every once in a while, but typically. There's it connects somewhere, and you just have to get to the planet that has a node that connects to it. Um, but I did decide I was like, you know what, I'm gonna play a game through with each of these two races that I've never played: the Miragi, which are like these bird people, and the 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 Thule Chul. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that, but they're like they're like big angry gorilla aliens, uh, and they were a lot of fun. They both have very 
interesting, different, somehow unique systems compared to the other four. So the Meragi have they basically have space trains. Um, the way oh, I can see why you like them already. The way their FTL system works is that you have like a lead ship that all the other ships couple up to, and it uh, like breaks through into an alternate dimension, and all the other ships follow behind it in a line, and they use their drives to push it faster. So the more ships you have together in this train, the faster they travel um, at FTL speeds. So they also can be incredibly quickly if you're moving a battle f- fleet around. If you've just got one ship you want to move somewhere else, it's not much faster than using slower-than-light drive uh, drives. Mm-hmm. But the more ships you pile on, the faster they can go. So that's pretty cool. They also, since they came out with the... Uh, Murder of Crows DLC, which added the a, a whole bunch of the space station system. They get some unique space station bonuses, uh, and they're the only race that cannot have an AI rebellion. If they get the AI tech tree, uh, they're immune to it because of one of their like racial lore things. Like they're the oldest race in the universe, and they're what's left over from like you know like the what is it the so they know. Uh, uh... Yo, shit goes down if we do this, so let's put a restraining bolt on this bad boy. Pretty much, yeah. I think that their AI technology can still be corrupted if there's another AI rebellion, but they don't have to worry about one starting in their civilization. Which is nice, because AI rebellions fucking suck. Um, But the other system, or the other aliens, the gorilla guys, they are a ton of fun. So... In, there's a bunch of different ways to win in Sword of the Stars. You don't necessarily have to just wipe out everyone else. You can go for diplomacy victories and stuff. And well, as, What's the fun in that? Well, and as such, there's a whole bunch of different technologies that don't necessarily just focus on war. But these guys are focused 100% on war. Uh, they're like a genetically engineered race that uh, rebelled and overthrew uh, the and completely destroyed the alien race that created them. And they, so there's this thing called overharvesting, which is your planets, whenever you overharvest, you get a ton of production and economy boosts, but you slowly destroy the resources on your planet, which in the end means that when all your resources are gone, you'll suffer huge penalties for not having resources on your planets. They are. This feels like a political uh, allegory, doesn't it? Yeah. They are set to a permanent <laughs> state of overharvest. You can't not overharvest with them. Um, so you're just encouraged to planet hop and take over other people's planets. Um, instead of having uh, diplomacy, they have slaves. So you can uh, capture slaves from other ships with boarding pods or from other planets with specific landers that go down and capture slaves. Um, all of their ships are mishmashes of other ships. And, like, I mean, they have their own unique design style, but basically it's just, like, a mishmash of every other racist ships in the game. And after battles, instead of salvaging just, like, bare resources to add to a planet, they actually salvage ships, like, whole ships from battles. And they can, uh, they're the only race that can salvage technology from fleets. Like, you can get technology from taking over planets sometimes, but they get technology from researching fleets. So their tech tree is a little bit smaller, but they're the only ones that can like rapidly assimilate other 
alien species technology. So other words, you send in your kick-ass ba- uh, battleship. You lose it. Suddenly, you're facing it, and they learned all the technology from it. Pretty much. Uh, and their their method of traveling faster than light creates black holes. That so, seems like a bad thing. So the, they create they create uh, stable wormholes by forming two artificial black holes, and there's a random chance every turn that the black holes will collapse. And if a black hole collapses, shit gets fucked up. So, I would expect so. So there's like different levels of collapse. Like it can just like close, and then you'll have to create a new one in order to travel faster than light. They can. Uh, I forget what it's called, but like they collapse and release like this huge EMP burst that disrupts all faster than light travel for a couple of turns in a certain radius, or they can just like completely just collapse and destroy everything, and they'll wipe out planets and fleets, and it's ridiculous. And that can happen to you too. So it's just like you constantly like I've got to be moving and taking shit over. I've got to be killing things and capturing slaves. They're insane, <laughs> but they're fun because they're completely different than the other five races in the game. Just a hundred percent focused on killing and moving. So it's cool. I like them. They're fun. They're also the only race that can attack humans while they're in node space. Like, human ships are basically, uh, they're invincible while they're moving, uh, unless they happen to get caught at a planet with another fleet, but these guys can just suck them out with a black hole. (laughs) (laughs) Which kind of negates one of the big advantages of of the human ships, so they're cool. It's a fun race to play. I I wish more of our friends bought this game. It's so much fun. I want more people to play with. Oh, wait. Q bought it. Yay! Uh Uh-oh. The three of us can play, because I know you have it. He's got to learn how to play, but... Yeah, I have no idea how to play this game. I'll take it easy on you guys the first time we play. You can, whenever you... Alright, Kyle. Whenever you create custom games, you can go in and give, like, benefits or, like, boosts or whatever to individual players instead of it just being, like, an entire thing. So, like, I could give you guys, like, a shitload of money in starting planets, and I can start with, like, the basic stuff. And then suddenly a, uh, a moon's crashing into my planet. Unfortunately, you can't do that. Although there is, if you turn random events on, there can be asteroids and things that crash into your planets and and destroy them. I always turn random events off, though. They're more frustrating than anything. Uh, It really depends on how often they show up. uh, Would be how, yeah, if I would turn them on and off. You can change the rate, but it's pretty basic. It's just like low, medium, and high occurrence rates, and you can just turn them off. But I mean, the. It seems like there's good ones and there's bad ones, but it seems like within the the first hundred turns, I always have something that wipes me out. Like there's a giant, the worst one, like meteor showers and things like that are pretty common and uh, they can be helpful or harmful depending on where they hit in your system and they can add additional resource to a planet. But there's like some kind of alien world destroyer that shows up. And it's like, what's the episode of Star Trek where there's the thing that the original like, series, the Planet uh, Eater? It, yeah, it's it's. I feel like it's inspired by that, and it actually will has just, to be. It just destroys your everything, and it's really hard to kill, even with late game technology. And I've had that thing show up several times at my home world within the first hundred turns. 
And these are like the first hundred Civ turns. Like, yeah. you're in the equivalent of like, you know, at you're best, just banging some rocks together trying to build a spaceship. At, at best, you're in like the medieval era. You know that equivalent. It's like, well, I'm done. I'm just gonna restart this game. Well, you just need a trebuchet to launch a <laughs> launch a, a foot soldier into the abyss and blow him up as it, as he goes in. Yeah. Really big ass trebuchet. Don't no no it's simple. It's just a trebuchet that launches a trebuchet that launches another trebuchet. You know, a trebuchet is all the way down, and eventually you hit orbital velocity. Yeah, they get smaller as they go. Okie dokie. Yep. That's, hey, we uh, got through the games we played. We did it, and it only took us two hours. Yeah, so uh, ready to talk about some more games? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about some more games. Uh, oh. So yeah, we're gonna go through the the list of games that we bought on the Steam sale. Yeah, our Steam sale aftermath. Uh, not really go in depth onto a lot of these because we really haven't played a lot of these. But uh, what the hell, right? Yeah. Uh, did you uh, calculate how much you spent? Uh, no, but I can look at that right now. <laughs> Yeah, Let's I spent see. right at sixty bucks. Well, that's also incl- uh, including a refund and then buying something else. Let's see. This one, one hundred and twenty-two dollars and forty-two cents, and this one, forty-six dollars and sixty-one cents. Yeah, someone was a big spender. And this one. Four ninety nine. That was a gift purchase, but that cancels because I refunded that, so that cancels out. Uh, you took it back? My no, 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 no. This another game I refunded. Ah, I but was they, about to say, but you, they were the same price. They were the same <laughs> price. And then minus four eighty nine for the. Other and then sending out pony games to everyone. I spent one hundred and sixty four dollars and fourteen cents, guys. Damn. My wallet, uh, so, she she cries. <laughs> Very good, does Katie know? <laughs> she she doesn't care what I do with my fun money. It's not I'm in the not. budget. Uh, but let's see. Uh, I guess uh, we both go down real quick. What we got? I mean, it's similar uh, lengths of the list. So uh, I got Deponia: The Complete Journey, which is technically three games. Brick Rigs, which I played a little bit. It's a sandbox, a Lego. Take a bit. It's basically BMNG, only with Legos. I talked about that as one of the games I wanted to pick up. Stable Orbit, another one that I wanted to pick up, and that's my refund game. Wasn't impressed by it. Very shallow right now, and it just wasn't playable yet. And my rule for early access is that it has to at least be playable and somewhat fun. Right. A Celestial Command, which is barely over that line, because it's a little bit on the buggy side. Uh, This was the second time I bought this, because I refunded it in the winter sale. I bought the remainders of the Blackwell series. uh, The Blackwell Epimothy, Unbound, and Convergence, which are all really good point-and-click games. I played a little bit of of Blackwell before, and it's something I want to go into at some point. Uh, Euro Truck Simulator 2 Cabinet Accessories just because, and honestly, it's one of those things that, yes, it is technically a cosmetic DLC, but it also adds the ability to 
uh, add GPSs and that sort of thing to your cabin. So it's technically a cosmetic, but there's some uh, workshop stuff that makes it not. And also the base game does add uh, GPS as well. 80 days. Good game, 80 days. Good choice. Yeah, that's probably going to be a game club game at some point. Uh, the Wolf Among Us, which we'll see if... Uh, <laughs> if uh, Well, Life is Strange has completely ruined uh, Telltale Games. Because supposedly Wolf Among Us is uh, the best of the crop, if you don't like uh, uh, The Walking Dead, which I do not. Yeah, I think Wolf Among Us is the best as well. The Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing 3. Which, it still sounds like it should be in a block with Xena, Warrior Princess, and the and the Incredible Adventures of Hercules. <laughs> you know, that early to mid-90s uh, uh, fantasy adventure. Right. Uh, and because I got the third game in the, in the series, and I had the previous two, it also gave me, uh, for free, the Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing Final Cut, which is essentially... The first two games remade in the engine of, th- of the third game, and it allows the uh, character progression throughout all three games because the third game made it so that you can't prog- uh, import your uh, game uh, your character from the previous two because they changed too much in the character uh, builds. So yeah, I got the final cut. I'll probably never play that outside of just getting the trading cards from it. But who knows? A bird story, which is definitely going to be a game club game at some point. Yep. Enter the Gungeon. Honey Pop, which is definitely going to be a game club game at some point, and and some sort of uh, talk on porn games. <laughs> Honey Pop. Hard West and Hard West Scars of Freedom DLC, which is likely going to be on my channel at some point. Which it's a XCOM. Wild West, only with some Lovecraftian themes. Okay. Supposed to be very good and very difficult. (laughs) So I'll probably get uh, annoyed with it and quit it. (laughs) But it's something that I wanted to try. And we are starting to see some uh, Western games come out again. But, you know, the Western uh, theme is... It's so perfect for video games and not many people take good advantage of it. But yeah, that's my list. Sweet. Well, my list, uh, Project Cars, and I bought the the limited edition whatever that comes with a not all but a bunch of the DLC in the car packs. Uh, Starbound, which obviously I talked about a lot. Stars One, I talked about that on our last non Franken episode, and I did refund that game. That was one of the two games that I, one of the two games that I refunded. Um. Tom Clancy's The Division, which I've obviously talked about at length twice now. You have? <laughs> Defense Grid 2. Talked about that last week. Test Drive Unlimited 2. Uh, really like Test Drive Unlimited 2. It's got some issues with its online connectivity, but I never want to play with anyone anyway, so I don't care. I just like to have a nice little sandbox game to drive around in. And I yeah, prefer... Uh, yeah, that for you is basically what Brick Rigs and Yara Truck is for me right now. Yeah, I just get supercars and drive around on nice islands. It's, yeah, I didn't realize I had a single-player component. It seemed like everyone was uh, always talking about the multiplayer component. Well, the and, mul- uh, and, I w- and I was always concerned that the 
multiplayer would be shut down and I'd be stuck with another game that I couldn't play in my game library. Well, the multiplayer component is like a one kind of like one half to the game and the big selling point to a lot of people, just like the social drive clubs and stuff like that. But honestly, it's got a fully flushed out single player component with like a race club and story missions. Test Drive Unlimited 2 has got two islands. You go to Hawaii and Madrid, I think. Um, so, I mean, you can completely play it single player. The multiplayer, there's like a community server that people run and then there's also the official server which is online sometimes um but it doesn't receive full support so occasionally you'll see a message where it's like oh this regular server's down if anyone wants to play here's how you connect to the community server all your progress is fine it'll be there so boy that uh, that's a real selling point to me yeah yeah the multiplayer server is up sometimes maybe yeah but I mean, like I said, I don't give a shit about the multiplayer. I just like yeah. to drive around, you know, by myself. So, uh, then I got Remember Me. This is one that's been on my list for forever that I mostly want to play entirely because of those dream sequences. Yeah. I don't want to say too much because I had uh, the game kind of spoiled for me. Uh, and I don't want to spoil it for you. Okay. But it's something that. I've wanted to play, then I had it spoiled for me, and I never, and I didn't want to play it anymore. Alrighty. Uh, I guess when I play it, I'll figure out what that was. Or you can at least tell me then. Uh, then I got Event Horizon, which was like a little filler, so I could hit like a $10 mark and get another trading card. Yeah, that's um, what uh, your truck uh, cabinet accessories was for me. Which I realized, yeah, at some sort, it's just a psychological trick, and, you know, uh, it's not that much money, but at the same time, you know, it's it builds up. Yeah. Um. And it, but Event Horizon is like a little sci-fi, like a little sci-fi game. I don't. It's like you build a little fleet, you go kill other fleets. It's supposed to have an open world component. I don't know. I haven't touched it yet. I at the very least is trading card fodder. Uh, then I got Mimpy Dreams, which you talked about on a previous episode, like months ago. Yeah. But I got this game to play with my kid. Uh, yeah, I think he'll absolutely enjoy it. Then about the original Portal, even though I've played the original Portal, I don't own it on PC, so I need to get it for Game Club. Yeah, which uh, Game Club in two weeks for Portal and Portal 2. Right. And then I got XCOM 2, the digital deluxe edition. Love XCOM, been wanting to play the second one. Mint should have picked it up last sale, but I didn't. Like, it was cheap enough for me, but for some reason I just didn't buy it, and I regretted it, so I bought it this time. Uh, about Warshift, I haven't checked it out yet, but that is that uh, real-time strategy game where you can drop down and take control of individual units. Um, then I bought Enter the Gungeon. Uh, normally, I don't go for this sort of game, but I've talked about it before. Like Enter the Gungeon just seemed interesting to me. We thought we might could do a game club on it or something. Uh, Torchlight 2, which you already mentioned, and the reason why. Uh, Transistor, that is probably going to be a game yeah definitely game club uh fodder there because that i haven't played through it all but it's reminded me a lot of why i loved uh bastion granted it is technically a different uh genre game as well yeah um let's see uh torchlight 2 transistor call war as uh gunslinger that's been a game, good I've, game i've wanted to play for a while um very good cheap. game 
Motorsport Manager, which is a uh, racing, like you manage an F1 team. I love mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, Space Run Galaxy. Uh, I've, I've got the first Space Run. I like it. I wanted Galaxy, so I bought it. Uh, Birds- yeah, I'm not sure uh, if it has many players still playing that, but then again, it could be. Uh, a lot of uh, Space Run Galaxy was focused on other players running uh, st- your stuff back to like a home base, essentially. But that could also be automated, you know, where uh, the pl- the game is just saying, okay, well, this person is taking this, but, you know, it's just a bot. Right. So they could be fudging that a little bit. It's hard to tell. Right. Uh, and then Bird Story, which we said we were going to do Game Club for. Then I got uh, Dragon Commander, which is in the Divinity Universe. Uh, is yeah, it basically Divinity Dragon I men- Commander? Yeah, basically I mentioned... Uh, uh, a divinity game that has a dragon with a jetpack on it, and you just were yes, yeah. Um, and then Cortex Command. It was like a dollar, and you talked about it, and I was like, well, it might be interesting for Game Club. Didn't you say it was like a dwarf uh, fortress type of thing? I don't remember exactly uh, what this, you told me. It has the problem of dwarf fortress where the UI is very muddled and it doesn't convey a lot of information very well so it can be very tough to get into but it's sort of well it depends on the level you're playing because different uh, levels have different objectives sometimes it's just you know go kill the enemy sometimes it's a defensive mission sometimes you have to build up your economy and it's uh, a lot of fun it's just it's very very tough to get into I can't remember if it has multiplayer or not. I don't know. I haven't checked it out yet. I intended to play it while I was on my trip because it's, I mean, you know, really simple in terms yeah, of like. Well, it's it's simple graphics, but there. It's, yeah, yeah. But it has a lot of of uh, simulation side to the side of things where there everything is physics based, where you could, uh, in theory, dig out under your uh, opponent's uh, base. And cause the entire thing to drop. <laughs> yeah. In theory, at least. Granted, yo, they would be able to see that <laughs> happening and would come in and kick your ass. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm seeing if it does have multiplayer because uh, it says shared split screen multiplayer. So unfortunately, I don't think it has any online multiplayer, which is disappointing, but understandable with how it's handled. Right. Um. But anyways, so... And then the last game that I bought was Lego Lord of the Rings, and that was a gift which I purchased for the one person who guessed right how many times that I cried during uh, Brothers. And who was it? It was Ewan, whose Steam username is Taddy Boogie, or Tattle Boogie. So he got that as his reward. Actually, I sent him three games, but two of them were games that I already had because it was like he was the only one who guessed it right, and it was three. So I was like, I'll send him three games. So I sent him two <laughs> I already had sitting in my gift inventory that he did not own, and then I bought Lord of the Rings for him, like Lord of the Rings. And that is my list. All right. Well, we did have a question the week that, uh, well, reflects on this, but also one other thing is that was there anything that you wanted to pick up that you didn't? For me, it was Darkest Dungeon. It was. I was expecting to go a bit deeper on discount, especially since it had its expansion just come out, but 
it was still sitting right at the ten dollar range, which is not a bad deal for it, but it it felt like it should have been a little bit uh, deeper discount. Uh, for me, I actually spent a lot more money this Steam sale than I usually do, obviously, from the total that I added up. And that's because I bought several games that I really wanted that weren't, like, super... I mean, they had, like, 50% or so discounts, like, Project Cars, The Division, and XCOM 2 were all, like, 25 or 30 bucks a piece. Uh, and normally I don't do that, but... I really wanted those games, so I bought them. The only game that I wish I would have bought, and I kind of, like, it had slipped off of my radar, was Homeworld's Deserts of Karak. Um, ah. And it had, like, it just kind of slipped my mind, and then I remembered it, but the Steam sale was over. Whoops. So, well, I'll put it on the wish list so you'll lose it. Yeah. So, uh, that's the only game that I really kind of, really wanted to buy, that, that, uh, that I didn't, but no, this was a really good Steam sale for me in terms of like buying games that I want. Because used to the last few years when I haven't had as much money, as like I want to maximize my games per dollar ratio. But this time, you know, I've said this a couple times, like with my new job and everything, I've got a little bit more disposable income, and like, I mean, by no means am I rich. I wish I was, but you know, I have a little bit more, and I was like, you know what? I've got a hundred something bucks to just spend on video games if I want to fuck it, I'm going to buy a bunch of stuff that I really want that I usually don't because it's more money that I'm willing to spend. So, it was a good sale for me. Yeah, for me it was more filling in things I wanted to pick up, uh, but uh, also, you know, th- things that were still uh, fairly cheap. I don't think I got anything t- that was terribly expensive. My biggest buys were probably in the 15 ish dollar range. Yeah. But it was more just, you know, um, well, I want to try the Blackwell series, but I only have one and I think four. So I'll just get uh, two, three, and five. And that sort of thing. And uh, a couple Game Club games, of course. A couple games I want to do uh, on the YouTube channel, like Hard West is probably going to appear there at some point. And, you know, me get annoyed with it. Uh, filling out some things like Euro Truck Simulator uh, was just, yeah. It, that's one of the few cosmetic DLCs that uh, add something. Uh, Brick Rigs was something that I wanted to play that I saw at one point that looked cool. Deponia is about the same thing, but also maybe on the YouTube channel as well. Celestial Command, something I wanted to try out. Stable Orbit, same thing, and it got refunded because of it. That sort of thing, you know. It not. It's kind of a, it's a mixture of stuff I wanted to play that was cheap. Uh, stuff for the YouTube channel and stuff for Game Club. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. And uh, we did have our question of the week. Oh, what games did you pick up on the Steam sale? Was there anything that you wanted to buy but didn't? A chemist. Wait, there was a Steam sale? Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ghost Shark. Too many to count. My poor wallet. Sad face. Kyle, I bought Armor 3, and I bought everyone that wanted it, Planetary Annihilation Titans. Right, he did buy me Planetary Annihilation Titans. Thank you very much, Kyle. Uh, Be Cool, was uh, not expecting, uh, but The Division, had uh, been a fun game. Jim, Stein's Gate, and a few cheap games for multiplayer. Uh, Didn't get Dirt Rally, though. Which, Stein's Gate is uh, one I was expecting him to pick up. And that's supposed to be one of the best re- uh, viewed uh, visual novels on Steam. And let's see, Mel's 
wanting to pick up Slime Rancher, but I need to finish Fallout 4 first before I get distracted by QQ. I did uh, buy Far Harbor expansion, though. Far Harbor. Far Harbor. And that's it for, well, our first question of the week. We have another one later. And, well, if you wish to respond to our question of the week this week, it'll be on our Twitter, Gaming, or, well, Gaming with CR is me, but uh, VGL Podcast for the question of the week. Maybe I'll retweet it on my uh, thing and uh, get some people to show up. <laughs> because I rarely retweet. I do. Lots of stuff. Including podcast stuff, too. I retweet podcast stuff a decent amount, I think. Well, maybe it's just it feels like I'm retweeting myself because I'm usually the one doing the podcast stuff. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Although the occasional time that I will tweet something out, I'll will immediately go retweet it with my own account. So I don't know. Well, you're just a lot more shameless than me. <laughs> I am a lot more shameless. That's very true. <laughs> uh, so we are finally through games, and it only took us two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. A very, very games-heavy podcast. That's good. So, uh, should we talk about uh, a game service? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, Hey, some news! Yeah, some news. Uh, (laughs) Jump, the indie streaming service. The actual news article title was a lot longer. All Uh, you can play indie gaming gaming. (laughs) is coming for $10 per month. I'm sorry, but the fact that we started at the exact same time, at least to my ears. Yeah, that'll probably be synced up on its own without me having to do anything. <laughs> and then I just start cackling. Oh, th- this is an interesting thing. I'm not sure about it, though. Mostly because a lot of these indie, or a lot of these uh, all-you-can-eat buffet-style game services are usually sold on the fact that they have this AAA game, or that AAA game, or this studio, or this, or that studio. And this is going on indie games, which usually are a hell of a lot cheaper. Yeah, but this service is also a lot cheaper compared to other of these streaming services that we've seen before. It is, yeah, it's, true. It's 10 bucks a month, and you get unlimited access to the indie games, although there's not a list up at this point. Based on some of the images yeah, they have on their site, we think that they have games like The Bride, Always Sometimes Monsters, Mole Men Must Die, uh, Dungeon Souls. Well, they're claiming that they're going to be starting with 60-plus games. In, in, endless enjoyment from roguelike dungeon crawlers to artsy platformers to 8-bit narrative puzzlers. Turn-based strategies? We have it all. For release uh, summer uh, 2017, closed beta uh, game count will vary. If you have a direction for more than four hours, please do not show it off. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I've said before, I'm a huge fan of this idea of having, like, a Netflix for video games. Yeah, it just seems so strange on how they're doing it. Yeah, I think that some of the problems that these services we've talked about having before, like the bandwidth necessary and that sort of thing, I think that we that they'll get around that with indie games, because by and large, indie games are a lot less graphically intensive and a lot less Usually. control input intensive, um, except well, for well, certain... Well, 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 that, well, that, well, they're getting around that, is that this is not a video streaming service, that you are not playing off their servers. What they're doing is some sort of strange uh, streaming... Uh, well, there is still streaming, but it's they're streaming the files to you. And they're calling it Hyper Jump. 
Which... It it probably is loading all of those files into your cache, a, a cache, a cache yeah. on your system, either just straight into RAM or maybe VRAM, something like that. Or it could, yeah, I guess, potentially yeah, well, be a well, temporary it's just strange folder. That there's, it's just strange that they're doing no permanent downloads or installs, but they're not doing the streaming video either. So it really... Uh, how is the indie games uh, going to work with this? Uh, do they have to be especially redone, essentially, or to be built for this service? Or, or are they only focusing on games that are like under a gig? I wonder if they have them all packaged into like ROMs, and then you just it the that gets put into uh, RAM, and then it just plays it that way. Or treats it like it is another disc temporarily on your on your computer, and then when you're done playing, it just auto deletes. Yeah, it's just such a strange, strange service. Uh, they are talking about adding uh, six to ten games a month, though. Which, if they could keep this going, because what well, we've seen Humble Bundle just explode with indie games most of the time. I mean, sometimes they have other crap bundles as well, but. Uh, if they are able to get some of the bigger titles on here, bigger titles for indie games, of course. I mean, that's really where they're going to have the issue is if they're able to draw enough eyes to be able to yeah get off the ground. Because this is an expensive service to be able to host that much uh, data. Yeah. And, and if they don't have the bandwidth to be able to service the files uh, well... Since there's no permanent downloads whatsoever, it's just, oh, this is such a gamble, isn't it? I mean, granted, it's not nearly as much of a gamble as on live was, where it was all video and you you had your latency from you to the server on how well you were playing. So it's not nearly as dependent on having data services. Well, in the U.S. at least, you know, I would say at least four data servers would have to be in in that in place to be able to service the U.S. with uh, some sort of streaming video service, yeah, but basically one per time zone, and that's yeah being yeah bare bones at least. Yeah, unless they do what's it? It's the type of file sharing Netflix does this too, where and and Hulu and I think Prime Video, where it's like if you're streaming something and someone else wants to stream the thing that you're streaming. Uh, peer to peer, you'll you'll do peer to peer and share it with them as well. They might do something like that, but in yeah, order but for that to work that, properly, they yeah, have to no, have a pretty yeah, big no saturation. Downloads. Yeah, well, there's no permanent downloads as well, so it's you know whatever you're actively playing. Yeah, they would need to have a pretty big saturation for that to work. So, realistically, probably a minimum of twenty to fifty thousand subscribers in order to make that work, so that you've got enough coverage on all the games for your peer-to-peer system to work well. But, <clears throat> yeah. I like the idea. I like, you know, I love the idea of these streaming services. Indie games don't get... I mean, indie games get a lot of love in a lot of ways, but, you are you know, for this sort of thing, everyone always is going for the big AAA whatever. Yeah. And so and it's I nice can, to and see... And I can easily see why, they're, why <laughs> it's the AAAs that do it, because, you know, those are the big whales of uh, of our gaming markets and everyone knows Shadow of Mordor for example but how many people are going to know about Super Meat Boy and um, Super Meat Boy is probably one of the better examples of a big indie game yeah 
So, or, or, or let's just pull, uh, yeah, Celestial Commander, Enter the Gungeon. Yeah. Uh, to that I've been playing recently. Yeah. That, yeah. Not many people would know all three of those. Yeah. I don't know. I'm set up for, ba- for beta access right now. So we'll see if I get in. But, uh, yeah, I really like this idea. I, I hope it works out. You know, somewhere someone is going to crack this streaming thing. And when they do, it'll become a much more viable option. And maybe this is the way to go. You know, indie games do get around several of the problems that the services have, like in terms of, you know, streaming and file sizes and input lag and the way that they're doing it, which we, you know, like we said, we assume that would be some sort of like it's stored in cache on your system somewhere and access directly from that. That would help get around things like input lag and such as that so yeah but i also can't help but think of the coincidence that we're talking about this on net neutrality day that is true that is true (laughs) and well it really comes down to if a big service if a service does make it big you know they're going to get hammered for bandwidth yeah and you know that's where the net neutrality angle comes in. Yep. Oh hey, yeah, sorry to be a whip angle, blanket on that one, but I'm just you know <laughs> the coincidence is not lost on me. Yeah, we'll see if I get accepted into the beta program. If I do, I'll check this out this week, and I can report back on it next week. I mean, I suppose you could sign up too. Maybe you could get beta yeah. access. Yeah, I guess I'll uh, try it out. I mean, may as well. Oh right? hey. All you have to do is sign up. Welcome to the jump beta. <laughs> well, all right. Sweet. Download the file. It's like 100 megabytes. Welcome to the beta portion of the podcast. So, yeah, I guess we'll report back on this next week and see if we can figure out anything more about the service and see how well it does. I'm just going to close this. I don't want to install it or anything in case it fucks up the recording in some way. But, yeah, I'll check that out this week. Or we'll check that out this week. Coolio. It was just an interesting thing that uh, came up on the uh, news feed. Because we're in the post-E3 drought of news. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about some general topics for the next few weeks in case we have more weeks like this. We got lucky in the fact that we talked about games for two fucking hours this week. To eat up a bunch of show time. Otherwise, this would have been a really short show. I mean, I'm still going to get it edited, but the main reason we're like, eh, we'll just leave it is so that it'd be easier for me to edit and get ready in time, especially with my hectic work week, which you know about, Rage. I'm not going to talk too much <laughs> about what happened since this is much, much broader, and I'd hate for, like, even though it's a tiny chance, I'd hate for anything to get back. But yeah, there was some crazy shit that went down while I was gone on vacation, and my week has just been a mess at the well, office. Doesn't your- well, doesn't your boss listen to the show? My something? boss does listen to the show, so I definitely should not talk about it. My boss and one of my coworkers. <laughs> See, I definitely should not talk about it. If you're if you're if you're listening right now, Angel, I didn't tell them anything. Wink. Bullshit. No, he he. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. All right. Well, now that we've both signed up for the beta and got that out of the way, let's move on to our 
Community Corner, which no emails this week, but we do have tweets and the other question of the week. Yes, we do. Uh, the other question of the week was, what is your favorite boss battle in a video game? And uh, it was pretty much what I expected out of our audience, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah, I didn't look at the tweets, but I was able to guess everyone's answer. Uh, 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 b- basic answers. Yeah, I mean basic. I wasn't like specific, but I got everyone's but, basic answer. See, Groove, the Kraken, and KSP, obviously. And uh, Ghost Shark, this. Which, Groove, the real battle is me. Your overseer. Now get back to work. <laughs> poor Groove. Oh no, poor Groove is coming up. <laughs> oh. Yes, poor, poor Groove. Let's just put it this way. His heart wasn't into things. Okay. Okay, so moving swiftly along from that rather ominous <laughs> comment on Goob's future. Kyle, Dido, Dido, Lord of the Dead from Dark Souls. Really fun. Flags his attacks wills while still challenging, but fair. Jim and KSP returning from Eve without using any gimmicky ships, refueling, excessive amounts of asparagus staging, etc. It was difficult and 100% skill. You know, I flew past Eve once. <laughs> and chemist, every single uh, Necrodancer boss, with possible exception of Coral Reef, or Riff. Coral Riff, sorry, it would be a musical term. Uh, as it's way too easy. You know, I really need to play that at some point. Okay, uh, tweets. Wait, hang on. Did we answer this question last time? I don't remember, because I felt like I... Uh, no, we didn't, and I don't really, I'm not sure if I really have one. Everyone always talks about, you know, the best boss ever being Mr. Freeze in uh, Batman Arkham City, and I honestly didn't like it. I didn't play it, Batman Arkham City. It, it felt like a bit too gimmicky for me, and that's the thing, is that I think uh, the biggest boss for me that I really enjoyed was getting over that learning curve in Dwarf Fortress, since we're using arbitrary game mechanics. Right. I think my favorite boss battle of all time was the first time I fought Bowser in Super Mario 64. Because, like, I was a kid, and it was like... But, like, I couldn't beat him. I was so mad. And then I find, like, you know, however old I was, six, seven, whatever, year old me, was like, oh, you gotta throw him into the bombs. And it was, like, that childhood wonder and discovery. And... Well, I guess if you want my true answer, uh, I would say probably some of the Burning Crusade raids. Uh, uh, Lady Vash, where the uh, raid has to split up and stand on the uh, various uh, steps and... Uh, toss a bomb uh, essentially uh, from one person to the next was a very cool mechanic that I never saw again um Kale I had it where you eventually had to equip these special weapons and it was uh, just a very hectic fight and of course there was also you know uh, things like 
Uh, the chest encounter at Karazan was also a lot of fun. But yeah, maybe I'm cheating on uh, doing uh, raid stuff because a lot of that is the social interaction as well. Yeah, I think my more more recently as a an adult, I think my favorite boss battle is the fight with Saren at the end of Mass Effect One, because there's several ways you can handle the first phase of that fight, and you can actually defeat him without having to fight him. And I just, I really like that, you know, the game takes, like, if you've got the right skills and have, uh, you know, played through and done all the things right, you can get him to to kill himself before he transforms. So you don't have to fight him the first time. And I just really like that. It's like, oh, I can win this boss fight without having to fire a single shot. I can make the boss kill himself. Yeah, there was a couple like that in uh, the Fallout series that does that as well. Yeah, the president in uh, Fallout Three, and I think the final boss that either Fallout Fallout One or Two does it as well. Just uh, you know, the, be able to have the not even uh, the non-violent, but the non-combat option. Right. That's not that's something that a lot of games don't do these days. You know, it's always you know the violent option. Which yes, yes, I've realized convincing someone to kill themselves is. Technically, you know, not the non-violent option, but still. Right. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, combat mechanics are generally thought of as more fun. So, why would we give you the option to skip the more fun thing? Well, it's not always more fun for everybody. But, yeah, that's definitely my my kind of two favorite boss fights that I can just pull from right off the top of my head. Yeah, and uh, for me, it's, uh, you know, a lot of these just random raids... Which is technically still a boss fight. But, you know, it's also working together with a group of usually 24 other people. Yeah. And that's honestly the one thing in WoW that I really miss still. Is, you know, having uh, those big, huge encounters. Uh, The Lich King fight was also really fun. Tough, but fun uh, the first time. Uh, Then you get that, uh, you know, almost gotcha moment. (laughs) Of uh, towards the end of it. Well, I guess I could say it because, you know, it doesn't matter if I spoil it or not, but uh, at about 10% health, he does a raid wipe and there's no way to avoid it. And then you have a uh, essentially a in-game cutscene to revive everyone. And the first time we did it, we uh, specifically didn't tell some people and they released uh, and missed the, last of the fight. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, or the flip side of that is that Okay, well, I played a shaman, and the shaman class has the ability to self-res. Well, they have a debuff on everyone to prevent that for a short time, but the debuff doesn't last as long as the cutscene. So, uh, usually the Lich King fight would be the end of the raid night, so I pop my self-res, and I start beating the ever-living shit out of the Lich King (laughs) while everyone's still dead. (laughs) Nice. And I thought it was hilarious because usually I also pop all my abilities at the same time. So I'm just uh, saying they're wailing on him. <laughs> well done. Well done. Beating the system. Yeah, you think you could kill me? Well, let's see you do that again within the la- next hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And let's see. Tweets. Let's see, uh, we only have a handful that didn't fall into the uh, question of the weeks, or questions of the weeks. Uh, Jim, Steam Discovery Q, 
Let me show you all 800,000 early access survival crafting games one at a time. Granted, there is a way to filter those out, but once again, that relies on Steam tags, so... Uh, a million lights. So, my second guest on uh, Jared's crying three times was right, but I guess that makes him ineligible because it was a second uh, guest, right? Correct me now. And uh, VGL Podcast, thanks for uh, rip headphone users moment. Whoops. <laughs> Usually I do a normalization on uh, at least my audio, but I guess it wasn't enough. And also there were some timestamp issues. I guess I got the rough draft of your timestamps, and all the timestamps were wrong in the uh, show notes for about a day until I saw that tweet. Yeah. So uh, in the future, if you do that, I guess uh, just you know put note rough draft or something, you know? Yeah, I can do that. Uh, let's see, Jim. Uh, when you start your Steam wishlist by pr- when you sort your Steam wishlist by price, it puts free to play games at the end, implying a higher cost than fixed price games. Which uh, responded, "Well, they're not technically wrong on that." <laughs> yeah, now, that isn't untrue. Which Jim responded to, "I just found it to be surprisingly consumer friendly, though they." do have an interest in you buying games rather than playing free-to-play ones, which I do see that. And we had one last tweet uh, that was actually done today from Adam Smasher, which I think that's someone new. Any way to get this on Stitcher? Well, uh, Almighty Editor? I guess I can put it on Stitcher. Yep, and that is uh, all our tweets and the questions of the week's. If you wish to email us, which we do accept text or audio emails, you can send them to vglpodcast at gmail.com or just we us, vglpodcast on Twitter. So, are we going to do Discovery Q? <laughs> uh, might as well at this point, right? I mean, we can. We also don't have to. It doesn't really matter. Uh, might as well. I mean, let's get over the three-hour mark <laughs> fully. Okay. Well, it's your t- turn to talk about uh, music. What, uh, as in you hitting it? Yeah. And I immediately get one for us. The end is nah. The latest Edmund McMillan uh, game. Uh, essentially, uh, it looks, it reminds me a lot of Super Meat Boy. Just in the style of it here, I'll drop it on my list so you can see it. I mean, this is definitely you know, on the going on the wish list. Okay, scroll all, all right. the way down. The end is nigh. Yeah, the end is nigh. It, it, well, it's not completely Super Meat Boy ish, but it definitely has that uh, vibe uh, to it from uh, for me, uh, at least in some of the levels. And uh, it's it's a game by Edmund McMillan, so that's pretty much all you need to know, really. <laughs> it's going to be very difficult. It's going to be a tough uh, platformer, but also a lot of fun. Yeah, so my first game is called Animalica, and it is a survival crafting game, but it's got a premise I've never seen before. You're the last surviving human on Earth, and your goal is to preserve as many animal species as you can in the post-apocalypse. Huh. That is really interesting. Yeah. 
And I'm assuming it's going to be single player <laughs> because if that's multiplayer, you know, that kind of breaks the premise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in Animalica, you're racing against extinction as the lone survivor of the last conservation center on Earth. The fate of every single species of plant and animal lies in your hands. That is really interesting. Yeah. And see, that's why we have the discovery key. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and on the flip side of things, I got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD, which by the time this podcast comes out is going to be off of Steam because they're pulling it. So, yeah, it's just one of those things that, yeah. Oh, and I never mentioned that uh, the first game uh, showed up. Here's a weird thing. Uh, the end of not the end is not didn't show, uh, showed up because I played Gunmetal Armatica and 140. It doesn't mention Super Meat Boy. I guess it doesn't care about your Super Meat Boy. I forgot to see what Animalica why it showed up for me. Similar to games you've played, <laughs> there's a there's several survival crafting games in here. Although the first one is Space Engineers, that seems odd to me. But, eh, I guess it's because Space Engineers was my most played survival crafting game on Steam. What is this? Okay, I'm going to have to put this on the list. Uh, it's called Antihero. It is a some sort of multiplayer strategy game. It looks like it may be multi- a local multiplayer only, though. No, it says full mo- online multiplayer. Uh... Recruit street urgents, hire thugs, a star street gang, upgrade your guilds, steal everything, and bribe blackmail and assassinate your way to victory. It looks a lot like a mobile game, though. So it got, may not be all that great. Uh, there's a link for you, Jared. All right. Maybe it's just the uh, where everything is large. It, on the screen, it starts to you know, feel like a mobile game. And Maybe. It's a fast place, a uh, turn-based game. It does have some very uh, negative reviews on it, though. Hmm. Alright. So I got one. Furious Angels. It's a score attack sci-fi... looks like a top-down twin-stick shooter type game. But, uh... It does the whole race the sun thing where that every day you get new challenges and things like wow. that to, to compete in. It's not very expensive either. It's only seven bucks. Yeah, well, I got another one. Starship Theory. This is an early access game. It looks a lot like uh, it's drawing expir- uh, uh, inspiration from FTL where... You're trying to survive and build up your spaceship, but it doesn't look like it's quite the same idea. You know, going from note to note, and this is uh, this is saying similar to games you played, RimWorld. I'm gonna uh, say no. <laughs> oh, it, 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 they throw out some weird things. Uh, Starship Theory is a ship building survival game. You begin with four survivors lost in unknown space. I mean, it does sound very interesting, but the fact that they throw RimWorld in there <laughs> just got me laughing. I think I saw... Oh, who did I see playing this? Was it... Was it Dust Valdez that was playing this at one point? 
because I definitely saw this being streamed from someone that I follow on uh, Twitch at one point. And it doesn't look bad. It does look like it's still a uh, very early access, though. And it's definitely not a graphical powerhouse <laughs> at all. Did you drop the link, Brett? Uh, yeah, it's uh, just I uh, have it. Starship Theory. Huh. Looks neat. Put that on my wish list. Oh, it's already on my wish list. <laughs> I must have seen it during the uh, the sale. Because <laughs> I did quite a few discovery queues for trading cards. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's one thing is that they did they didn't well they didn't force but they encouraged you to do uh, a lot of discovery queues. Yeah. Let's see. Ooh. Um. Just got another one. Monsters Den Godfall. There's a, a link for you. This is a dungeon crawling RPG. Uh, it's supposedly from an older uh, series that I don't recall ever seeing the series. Maybe I'm just missing out on it. Uh, procedural generation, because, yeah. <laughs> I, I think against procedural generation, but when it's very high on the uh, feature list, it's a suspect whenever they're talking about RPGs. Yeah. I mean, I'll definitely put it on my wish list to check out at some point. It's not that expensive of a game. It looks like it's... Uh, you have a very large uh, party, though. It looks like maybe six people, maybe more. Similar to games you played, Renowned Explorer, so uh, Roguelite, which probably isn't wrong there. It's interesting. It's not something I think I'm going to rush to get, but, you know, something to check out later. Yeah. I'm done with my queue. I had a pretty garbage queue this week. Probably um, did too many discovery queues during the sale. Because, I mean, like I said, a couple, two or three times I've, you know, been through every single game on Steam. So, I probably got through a bunch of good stuff during the sale and am now back to yeah, garbage uh, for a few weeks. <laughs> Oh, don't worry, the Steam Direct is coming out, so we'll have uh, the garbage coming out as well, and that wraps my Discovery queue. Because I got... Let's put it this way, I got Sacred 3. <laughs> That's a terrible, terrible game. But, yeah, I think I'm going to go play uh, Ride in the Elevator again. Okay. So, quick break while we get in the elevator, and then we wrap up the show. Sure. I don't have to go to the elevator. I also can start talking about what's coming up on my YouTube channel. Ah, uh, hey. Uh, you're actually going to be chattering away for once. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> you go to the, you go to the bathroom, and I'll talk about what's coming up on my channel. So, what is coming up on my YouTube channel? Well, I'm back from my vacation and getting back into the swing of things. I scheduled the missing VGL episodes already. They should all be out before Friday, as long as or before this one, so that the order doesn't get messed up on my YouTube channel. Uh, I suppose if something does go wrong, I can fix those later in the uh, the playlist because you can rearrange the order of videos. But everything should be up before then, and I should be back on track with that. 
Uh, also, I've released some stream, stream archives and got those set up until I get rolling again on my uh, my other YouTube series that I want to be working on. Um, and other than that, until... It, well, except for some Divinity. I got slightly behind, so I should be caught up to be in line with Rage for Divinity starting next week. And if you want to see that content on my YouTube channel, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologist on YouTube, finding it there. I hit the triple digits uh, while I was on my trip. So thank you very much to anyone who has subbed to me that listens to this podcast. Really appreciate it. Um, get me in triple digits. Hopefully I don't drop back down to doubles. But either way, things are uh, things are looking up for me on my YouTube channel. I was very happy. Uh, I guess I'm going to put this podcast up on Stitcher since we got a request for that. And I'm also working on something secretive. That uh, I haven't quite exactly figured out how it work how it works yet, but it is. Where's my phone? I run the danger of getting the clicky noise. But anyway, which I could then tell you about because I just sit back down. Indeed, all I'll say is Anchor. Anyone who knows what Anchor is will know what I'm talking about, and anyone who doesn't, well, once I get it figured out exactly, you'll know what what it is. But uh, I'll be talking about that more in the next few weeks as I move forward and get that figured out. Um, beyond that, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at JMA4707. I tweet about all kinds of things. Today, specifically, I was complaining about Co- uh, or not Comcast, Charter. They contacted me again and were like, hey, we've got some deals for you. And I was like, no, I don't want your deals. Your internet service is too expensive and the service goes out all the time, but whatever it's still cheaper to just use the internet and netflix and hulu and amazon prime than it is to pay for your shitty cable and phone service as well go away i also tweet about other things like politics and video games uh, and all of that once again can be found at jma4707 on twitter and now that i'm back from my trip there will be streams again starting fridays regularly i don't know what we're going to be streaming this friday i gotta sit down and look at the multiplayer list and figure out who bought what games and I'm going to create a rotation and put that list up somewhere that anyone can go look at it and see what's going on. And I will continue to send out reminders. And if you want to watch me stream games or participate, it is twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. Uh, and also, if you want to be a friend on Steam, my Steam username is jarthur4707. I accept all friend requests. So far, everyone has been totally and completely cool. And I love all of you lovely, lovely people out there listening to this podcast and if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you just finished listening to the password for this week is periwinkle <laughs> nice periwinkle that's good that's a good one well when I, when do I not have good ones sometimes you have ones that are less good and this one is more good so I guess it would be great ah what about you? Buddy? I have the I have the best words. The best words. <laughs> oh well, let's see. On my YouTube channel, uh, still running at well two of the three series going. I planned on getting Divinity up and running, then I just could not get to the damn page to uh, to set up Divinity for me. So yeah, I figured you know another week when I heard at this point. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it kept airing out, it kept timing out, and just, just 
Fuck it. So, still running just uh, Quantum Conundrum, which I'm on the third of three wings, so I should be wrapping that up in the next few weeks, and I need to figure out exactly what I want to play beyond that. And RimWorld, the series that just will not end. Well, in theory. Well, I know more about that, but I don't want to say too much. Let's just put it this way. Um, we've had some people get maimed recently. Um, uh, well, in the last, actually the last episode that went up, um, Henrelic, uh, lost his leg. I hope you weren't too attached to that. Nice. But don't worry, I gave you a nice shiny bionic one, so you're uh, hobbling around, uh, you know, like 125% speed, uh, going laps around Groove, because you're now Holobitch, as well as Groove. But, yeah, uh, RimWorld, I'm, uh, I'm starting to figure out mods for for next time, because the reset is coming. It's just, you don't know when. Or why. Well, you may figure out why if you go through my tweets, but still. Anyway, uh, that's that. Uh, the Sunday Sampler appears Sundays at noon, usually. I mean, I did miss a week, but that was due to surgery. I do have a big project I want to work on for the Sunday Sampler, but it's just, yeah, sitting down and doing it and uh, getting enough game time in that particular game. And usually I also get something somewhat interesting to try out. And then it just disappoints me, as per usual. I mean, uh, just look at Infinite Mini Golf. Oh, that, that was such a disappointment. What can I say? Especially as, especially after seeing it for, was from Zen Studios. I mean, that put, you know, expectation high, right? Very high. Yeah, I mean, it just crashed even further. Anyway, you can catch all that, including this podcast, there Friday at noon on Gaming with Caffeine Rage, or you could see me tweet uh, either about my Bluetooth uh, speaker saga, which I'm still fighting with customer support about, or, uh, well, I just, I, I, right before the podcast started, I, I, I asked sort of a rhetorical question. Is the uh, uh, the opposite of a sweet tooth a sourpuss? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> The fact that I got a good chuckle out of that uh, means something, at least. That's a good one. You can find that all over at Gaming with CR. I'm sorry, no Twitch. Well, at least just yet. Maybe once I get a second monitor so I could monitor things. Yeah, because a monitor does monitor things. That's the entire point of a monitor. And monitors are starting to sound a little weird at this point. So we'll say, well, if you wish to contact us for some reason... You could find us over at vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, and gaming-related topics, or just tweet us, vglpodcast, on Twitter. If you wish to help pay for this absolute madness, our Patreon is patreon.com slash vglpodcast. And hey, we at least put out content. I got a spammer this week that had literally no content, and their Patreon was, I'm hoping to do a YouTube someday. And he had 120-some patrons. It I just sat there and looked at it and thought, why? <laughs> oh. Maybe we should do that. <laughs> we want to do something else. Give us more money. We want to do a podcast. <laughs> we want to do another podcast. Uh, let's see. Our uh, uh, website, if you wish to catch us, is 
vglpodcast.podbean.com. Right there, you can find our RSS feed and show notes. And if you wish to uh, listen to us off of YouTube, you find us over there, as well as iTunes, Google Play, or hopefully Stitcher at some point. <laughs> uh, our intro music and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod, and our Discovery Q music is Doobly Doo. And you can find his work at Incomputech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. See ya. Bye-bye.